This is Turn on the Jets Film Room, your weekly extensive breakdown of New York Jets X's and O's. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Blewett. Stop route in the middle, curl. I'd actually like to start from Dawn. Maybe I want to see him get rid of the ball a little bit sooner as he sees his soft coverage, but I like how he leads him outside. Great freaking snag. That's a snag, man. And former Texas Tech All-American, current Arena League coach, and the hero of the Monday Night Miracle, Marcus, Marcus Coleman. Coleman. And he's again by Coleman. You got to hand it to Marcus Coleman. He made the play earlier to pick it off in front of Gadsden, and then he read the eyes of the quarterback here. That interception is his third of the game, and that ties a Jets team mark. On Turn on the Jets Digital. And you are listening to the 27th edition of TOJ Film Room. We, take a, we took a little bit of a break after the season uh, just because there's a lot of film to get done. Obviously, the Jets had a head coaching search. We wanted to figure out what happened with that. Uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, we went to get all the film done before we came back and did a show that was uninformed. Uh, but now we have plenty of film to break down, plenty of topics to talk about. Uh, and something else I noticed every time I listen to that intro, Marcus, I got it. We got I got to change that because uh, your sounds great. Your 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 section of it, and then my mm-hmm. I, I sound like a freaking like a surfer storm. Like yeah, that was a snag, man. That was such a good snag. <laughs> like every time I listen to it, um, but it's good to be back. And uh, Marcus, what's up, man? <laughs> watching man, just man watching uh shoot. Excited about the playoff games this week. Mm-hmm. That happened yesterday, with the exception of the refs, but um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some good games. I mean, usually, you know, all the games are close this time of year. And, uh, shoot, getting ready to shoot myself, getting ready to start my season, you know, outside of it as well in, in yep. two, three weeks, two weeks, you know, yeah, whatever I'm it is. So. I'm excited to uh, follow along with that too, obviously. Um, I, I haven't followed that league much in, in my life, but uh, if I can get my hand on some games or tape or anything like that, I'd be excited to see your offense and stuff like that. Uh, it'd be pretty fun to watch. Um, yeah, it's it's free on YouTube, so you can watch it on YouTube whenever the game's on. Um, oh, cool! There you go. Yeah, yeah. Just go to Indoor Football League on YouTube, and you can watch the games for free for li- uh, watch them live. So, oh, there you go. I'll be watching your games. So, uh, yeah. no pressure. You know, Joe Blue's watching you. So, I, I know, I know that's, that's cool. probably the highest pressure you have in your life. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's freaking cold here, man. Um, right now it says they say it feels like negative negative fifteen to twenty, depending on where you are. And I actually just had problems getting into my garage because the door was frozen shut. And last oh. night I was working at the uh, police station, and you know we used to have an actual building. Um, but because of Sandy, it wiped out the building. Now we're in a trailer until they build the new, the new, uh, building and, uh, the front doors of the police station got locked, uh, because it was, they got frozen shut. We had to break through a window and jump in the back window of a police station last night. So that was, oh, fun. Wow. uh, it's that cold out right now here. So, um, Damn. yeah, I know it doesn't get cold like that in Texas. I know it gets pretty cold, but not negative. It feels like negative 20 cold. Yeah. No, it's not like that. I mean, it, yeah. it got down, it probably got down to, uh, like high twenties. Last night, something like that. So, yeah. you know, obviously everybody was, you know, scared, scared to death, you know, locking <laughs> up. Nobody wants to drive, that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it's not too bad. It's like it? people when it snows like an inch, like, oh, let's go get bread and milk. Like, you're going to be in the freaking house for a week and a half. <laughs> right. Like, like the apocalypse is about to hit. Like, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I don't yeah. get it. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, you said the playoff games, they were, they were fun for the most part yesterday. Uh, both four teams that we pictured have won, but we'll get into that <laughs> a little bit later. Um, but both games going into overtime, that's always exciting. And then the Super Bowl coming up in, what is it, February 2nd or wherever that Sunday is? I think it's February 2nd, 3rd, whatever it is. Um, yeah. So, 
like I said, we were gone for 18 days. We got one five-star rating, so we appreciate that. If you can leave more, uh, more reviews, more um, – yeah, obviously it's it's great for us for many reasons. I don't have to explain it. And a lot of a lot of things have happened. Uh obviously Bulls has got fired. We knew that was gonna happen. We discussed that before the season. We went through the whole head coaching search we're gonna talk about. Uh this week is going to be breaking down some of the questions overall we have with with Gase, and then we're gonna get into the film. And then next week is gonna be uh, a lot more film on Gase because I do have about sixty plays of him and I don't want to break it down into a five hour show. So we're gonna cut it into two shows, probably like two hours each or something like that. Um, and then a week after that, we're going to talk some Greg Williams, a potential switch to a 4-3, where guys fit in that, uh, how that, tr- that changes the Jets, uh, Jets' eyes in the draft, if that does happen, and in free agency. Uh, we have plenty of other things that were going on uh, about the post of on Bell film review. I just did 10 draft prospects who are already have ready, and it's not even, it's not even February yet. Uh, so we're going to have a lot, a lot of film on players and defenses and everything coming up for you guys. So we're excited about that. Um, and Marcus, let's just get into the, the coaching search and, and kind of how it happened. Obviously, Bulls got fired. Uh, was it the, the night after or the day after of the Patriots game when they got blown out, obviously? Or, or I think actually we did talk about it because we reviewed the Patriots game. So we, so we, already, we already talked about him getting fired, but he got fired. Uh, coaching search went on for, what, about eight, nine, ten days, whatever it was. Um, we had Matt Rule, who was in. Uh, he went back to Baylor. And some people were talking about this, and just to go over it quickly. And a lot of people are killing the Jets for this. And this is something that we talked about with, with uh, Rule and some of the younger coaches before, you know, when we're talking about the, the search and who they should hire. Apparently, Rule came in, and he wanted to hire his own staff. The Jets had, and I understand, like, head coaches want to have their own staff because it's their team. But the Jets and him had some differences on the, on the staff. And the Jets seemed like they wanted to bring in some more veteran guys to the staff. Uh, mm-hmm. And Matt Rule wanted his own guys, that, and they kind of parted ways. Matt Rule didn't want a part of it. He went back to Baylor. The Jets uh, picked, obviously moved on as well. But people were killing the Jets for this. I understand it. But when you have a young coach who's never really coached the NFL before, minus being an offensive line, or assistant offensive line coach for the Giants for a year, they want veteran guys to, to, to kind of build around him. So I'm not going to kill the Jets for that. I don't, know, I don't know what your thoughts are, though. I guess the only problem that I have with that is that Matt Rule has coached in the NFL before, albeit it was an assistant coach, you know, back in the day with the Giants. Um, so I think he has an understanding of the NFL game. And I honestly think that a lot of – I think half of the staff – I think he would have divided it where it would have been like a half-and-half half staff where he would have had, you know, some younger guys or I guess quote-unquote guys that coached in college or whatever it is at certain positions. And he would have had, you know, some veteran guys <clears throat> that – have been in the NFL before and he could have added that to the staff. And the reason why I say that is because if I look at what he did before, uh, not before, excuse me, after he got the Baylor job, you know, the first thing he did was went out and hired uh, his DFO. It was, you know, a head coach here in uh, the San Antonio area at Austin Reagan high school. And he was the president of the Texas high school coaches football association. So he went out and hired him and then he hired another guy that um, does the same, you know, the same thing, you know, I guess something in a similar capacity that also coaches high school football as well because he has no ties to Texas. So the first thing he did was go hire two dudes that have been coaching 30-plus years, you know, in Texas in the high school system, knows all the coaches, knows the landscape of, you know, of the recruiting areas, you know, in, in different cities in Texas. So to me that shows that, okay, he understands that, that he knows that there are certain guys you need to go out and get to help, you know, add value to your team and they can be assets, you know, assets to, 
to the coaching staff because of what they bring. So I think he would have done that. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think you rule him out because of that. And oh, okay. kinda, I see the pun there, Marcus. Rule out, Matt. Rule. I got you. I see. Got it. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he, so you know, and he's an East Coast guy. I think he understands that area well. You know, just from you know coaching up there. So I think he he gets it. And and I'm I am a firm believer of you know, firm believer of if you're going to hire a coach, then you need to let the coach bring in his coaching staff in order for okay. it to be successful. I, I don't fully agree with the Jets or Mike McKagan picking the, you know, picking the coaching staff for you. You know, I'm not, you know, that's, you know, I am kind of against that, you know, so I see why he walked away. I'm, I mean, every coach wants their own coaching staff, just like every coach, you know, head coach should be able to sit in in the personnel meetings and be able to pick out certain players as well. Oh, you know, for sure. Their positions, yeah. And yeah. that doesn't happen either. Usually, you know, as I told you, in a lot of a lot of these teams, the GM picks the player and they just dump him out on the practice field and you're supposed to make it work. And mm-hmm. that, you know, more times than not doesn't work. But so. yeah, that couldn't be any more wrong to do that. Um, and – yeah, and I, I, I would be curious, like, I would, I wonder what those meetings were like, or was it more like, okay, Matt Rule wanted to bring in, you know, who, whoever, Adam Jones as his defensive coordinator, and the Jets really wanted to bring in a guy like Greg Williams, maybe they're already talking to him, they want to pick the whole staff, did they not like a few guys, like, I wonder how that really went, um, right. I understand why that didn't work out, and I was rooting for Matt Rule um he was like he was like one of my top guys and so was so was Munkin um but let's go down the coaching list we had Mike McCarthy he said the Jets were the only option I think they're really only his his only option in in the first place um or because no other teams really wanted him too badly and he's sitting out right now making like seven to nine million dollars whatever it is just doing you know nothing um and in terms of the X's and O's and stuff like that I think he was the kind of like the the most mediocre coach in, in my opinion I really did not want him and we'll get about mm-hmm. we'll talk about Gase in, in a little while but uh, McCarthy was really really low on my on my rankings just because I've actually watched the Packers I've seen them I haven't really uh and then there's actually this guy he, Brett Coleman on uh YouTube I watched him as well and I saw I saw that he did a Mike McCarthy thing so I, I figured I would go and watch it because he's a smart dude and uh some of the offensive concepts I really did not like so he obviously didn't get hired by anybody he's sitting out uh, Chris Richard, I guess he's back in Dallas. He interviewed for Miami. It seemed like that was going to happen, but they hired the Patriots linebacker coach. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised Richard Richard didn't get a job for sure. Yeah, I was surprised about it as well, considering where he came from. Uh, and I know he got fired from you know from in Seattle, but that was more of a that was one of those moves where Pete just kind of like had to let some people go, you know, whatever it was, you know, kind of deal. Uh, but he's still a great coach and you see what he's done with the Dallas, you know, with Dallas's defense, uh, you know, since he's been there, uh, you know, even, even though coach Marinelli is still there, Chris Richard is the one that runs the defense and, you know, does the game plan and does all that stuff now. So, you know, I, I was really surprised he didn't get a job everywhere, particularly in Miami. Um, I mean, but I mean, Flores is, has shown that, you know, He's shown that, you know, he's a hell of a coach, you know, particularly this year. And, um, you know, you look at the games this weekend, you know, against Kansas City, you hold a team like that, you know, to 31 points or whatever it is, and it took a while to get going. Uh, so it mm-hmm. seems like that, that hire is going to work out, you know, in Miami. Yeah, and then from him, uh, the Jets, you know, went to Dallas to talk to him as well. And then they, they didn't hire uh, Munkin, who I really, really wanted. Uh, he's probably number one guy uh, throughout most of the process when I actually started, like, really researching. Because I really liked his offense with the Bucks, and uh, he didn't get hired as any head coach. I heard he interviewed really well. Then that's you know like air quotes. I heard because you know you have like Twitter 
sources and stuff like that. But uh, you never know. But I really like Monk, and he's now the Browns' offensive coordinator, so he's getting paired up with with Freddie Kitchens there. I think that's going to work out well for Baker Mayfield. And he had Kingsbury, who was a guy who a lot of Jets fans were interesting or interested in, but I think he's probably the riskiest hire you could have had, or one of the riskiest hires. He's going to be a boomer bust type guy. Um, obviously got fired from, from Texas A&M or not Texas A&M, te- uh, Texas Tech and then went right to watch USC and then to left from mouth, USC. <laughs> what do you say? say? Watch him out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so he got fired and then he, yeah, so he was risky. So I wasn't like mad about him going to Arizona. We'll see how that works out with him and him and Rosen. Uh, young coach, I wasn't too pissed about that. But then obviously after that all happened, you, you, we were hearing, okay, well, the Jets are down to Gase McCarthy. And um, and rule rule left, and then we hoped for Monk and didn't really hear much about it. So we kind of knew it was going to be McCarthy or Gase. And at fr- I did not like the Gase hire um, because of things. And I, for, by the way, for people who um, want to see this in like a longer form way, I did a Twitter review where I put up every single or almost every single formation and what the play was and like the the concepts or at least like the read and stuff like that. Um, so you want to see all the formations and stuff like that. And the whole I did a whole like 400 word write up of him. Um, at first I didn't, and I still don't love it, but I, I like it more than I did because at first, you know, you see the offensive rankings. Okay. Well, why did that happen? And that wasn't a good look. Plus the guys in the locker room who were, um, getting frustrated with him and asking to be traded and that he was jettisoning out of Miami and things like that. Um, on top of the, the team that just wasn't that good. So I kind of really just did not like the hire, um, uh, but after looking at the offense, I definitely like it a lot more than I do. But let's get into the kind of the questions about him and then some of the reasons why people were questioning him, minus the X's and O stuff. Uh, the locker room, uh, this is something that we've heard all, all, you know, about a lot. Um, one with him just running the offense. Uh, there are some defensive players in Miami who felt like they were kind of on the back burner uh, to Gase and, and in, his, like, in his eyes, like in the importance of his uh, team. So they kind of felt like they're on the back burner for him. Uh, and then you have to worry about him and Williams a little bit. And Williams, we're getting to next week. But what are your thoughts on like a guy, two really headstrong guys, basically being co like head coaches with each other? And then are you worried about like the locker room with Gase and like with the players? You know, Jay Ajahi uh, got traded because of him. Landry got traded because of him. There was other players who came out and so they did not like him and wanted to be traded. But at the same time, there were guys like Alshon Jeffries who came out and so they liked him a lot, and Albert Wilson stuff like that. So like overall, like with the locker room, and then. Uh, him and Williams, like being co-head coaches, like what do you think about that? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, especially when you hear, and I don't know if some of the other, you know, a couple of other guys came out and in supported Gase, mm-hmm. you know, as well. But the fact that you have both sides, you know, kind of chirping, uh, that is a concern because you want everybody to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And then what you have to understand is, is as a head coach is you can't have favorites when you're picking players. All right. If, if there's some play, certain players that need to, or that should, you know, should be playing. And just because you don't like them doesn't mean that they shouldn't be playing. You know, your job as a head coach is, you know, especially if you inherit a team, you got to figure out a way to make it, you know, make it work. And it doesn't mean that that player isn't capable of doing what you're asking them to do. Um, you know, maybe you haven't been in the wrong spot, you know, as a, you know, as a coordinator, you know, maybe, you know, the, the player has been playing, you know, another position or whatever it is, and you want to put him in a different spot and he doesn't work out in that spot, we'll put him back in the spot that he was originally in or move him to another spot. You know, that's, you know, that's your job as a head coach to be able to take whatever ingredients that you have and you got to make something out of it. You know, when you inherit, you know, when you, yeah. when you inherit a team, that's what you have to do. Um, so that, 
I mean, that can be worked out. And I think his second time around, I think he'll learn from that. And, you know, I think, you know, oh, I hope I should say, I hope he has a better understanding of how to relate to those players and how to talk to them, how to ask them what they do best and see what they do best. You know, not just looking at the field, but you know, go ask them like, Hey, what are you comfortable with? You know, what, you know, what yeah. roster you like running? Uh, if you're the quarterback, you know, okay, what are your favorite plays? What do you like doing? You know, what is this? What is that? To me, when, honestly, to me, when I hear that kind of stuff, it seems like he's one of those guys where it's my system it's done my way, kind of like McCarthy. And this is just, we're going to do it. Oh, it's because you didn't execute it right, which is completely wrong. So, you know, and I think that is what got McCarthy in trouble, you know, in Green Bay, you know, a lot of the times. Um, so that is my only concern. If he can come in with an open mind and be able to put guys where they need to be, um, be a little bit more personable, you know, a little bit more relatable, you know, to the guys in the locker room, I think it'll help them out, you know, this time around. Yeah, I'm, uh, it's definitely – listen, like, there obviously was players who came out in support, but there's also just as many players, if not more players, who came out um, and said they did not like Gase. And like you said before, um, you want everybody to like him. I, players coming out not liking somebody is never a positive. I can't – you can't spin that into a positive. Right. Um, now, I think, like, he has a really strong personality, and I think him um, hiring Williams, some people see that as, like, okay, well – you know, he's willing to kind of like uh, take a back burner and bring in another guy who's like a hot headed type guy. So hopefully he's changing a little bit and doesn't want like total control of the team where it's just going to be uh, him and him and Greg Williams, like I said, co co head coaches. Um, so right. Good thing. We're, we're listen, like people don't like like, OK, well, obviously you want like the head coach to be like a kind of like a. Uh, I can't even think of the words, but a guy who's uh, around for the entire team, he has to be like a manager of everybody. But if you have one guy for offense, one guy for defense, like basically you have an offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, and they just mesh together into a head coach. I'm okay with that. I don't, I don't hate that because listen, Williams has been around the NFL for, you know, him, you played it. You, you played defenses of Greg Williams. Mm -hmm. um, and Gase is a guy who's he's new and up and coming guy. Uh, he was a hot hire in Miami. Some things didn't work out there. And from what I heard in Miami, they at this point they wanted to uh, really rebuild the team. Get obviously they're getting rid of Tannehill because of his contract. They really wanted to start from scratch, and Gase didn't want to. Um, and, and I heard it was more of a mutual part ways uh, where Gase didn't want to stick around for that. And is that true? I don't know. Um, but he still has really. We'll get into the offense. I like the offense, but there's the questions that all that are off the field that kind of that kind of like uh, um, kind of makes it come to the middle where his offense is good and I like it, but you have the the questions off the field which kind of make him like an okay hire to me. Um, now, are you worried about like the locker room with with him and uh, Williams? And like I said, I want to get into like, kind of like the storyline stuff first before we get into the film because yeah. are you well, worried about him and Greg Williams clashing together and it becoming a, like a circus at a certain point? I don't think so. The only reason why I say that is because you have, like you said, the way that they split it up, <clears throat> if Gase is going to be, I mean, but here's the thing, Gase, he's the head coach, he's got the head coaching title. So at the end of the day, you know, he's the CEO of that team. But mm -hmm. if they're running it the way that they have tried to build it to where, you know, Gray Williams just control everything on defense, Gase controls everything on offense, then that means that, I mean, then what that means is that even Gase, to some extent, if that's what he's doing, mm. still um, has some say so over Greg Williams, just because he still, he, you know, he's still the head coach. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I hope they don't clash because, like you said, you got two guys with strong personalities that are, you know, kind of, you know, that are, you know, both, you know, they're they're running the show, but one of them really isn't running the show. There's just one guy that's still really running the show. 
but I think, you know, just from Greg Williams' time in the NFL, uh, you know, and although I thought he probably should have been, you know, I mean, I thought it should have been either he or my kitchens, you know, to be the head coach. Yeah. Which they ended up taking kitchens, you know, in Cleveland. Um, you know, one of those two should have been the head coach there. But um, I'm surprised with I Kitchens. I I he was a running back. He's a running backs coach. Then went to offensive coordinator. Now to head coach, all in one season. But but that's, that yeah. was weird to me. But uh, continue. Yeah, but I mean, but it just depends on. Um, it just depends on how much you know say so that Gase you know is going to have if he needs to enter, you know I guess say anything about any changes needed on defense personnel thing you know personnel wise you know things like that. You know, and if he and Greg Williams are going to clash in that aspect of it, you know, it's probably where to come down to. And I think Greg Williams, everybody that I know that's played for Greg Williams, uh, uh, you know, players that I know that have played for him, love Greg Williams. Like, mm-hmm. there's – so if he can let Greg Williams kind of, like, handle the locker room, I think that'll be a good thing. You know, tell you the truth. You know, Greg Williams can, can end up being, you know, the go-between between Gase and the players if need be. Because everybody I know, everybody that I know – has said great things about Gray Williams in the locker room. You know, they love they, you know, they love playing for him. Yes, he's a fiery guy, strong personality, but he does it in a way to where like he's like he cares and he wants the players to be successful. It's not like personal jabs or like thing like, you know, mm-hmm. anything like that. Or he's walking around like he's the man. Like he does it because he wants he wants to see, you know, guys be successful. So everybody that, you know, I know I said great things about him. So if they can do it like that, you know, until Gates learns how to manage the locker room in a better way, uh, you know, I think it'll work out fine. Yeah, um, and we'll get into Greg Williams, obviously, a lot more uh, next week. And um, you could just say that him and Adams are probably going to love each other because they're both really aggressive guys. But, uh, right. yeah, there's, some, there's definitely some questions. Uh, and, get, you know, like I said, it's going to be co-head coaches. So, um, you know, Williams will handle the defense. Uh, Gates is going to handle the offense. Obviously, though, if there's like a little bit of a clash, Gates does have final say over over Williams. Right. Um, now there's a the question, okay, well, the free agents. Can Jets attract free agents? Because if players are friends, you know, listen, if me and you were in the NFL, well, you were in the NFL, let's just say I was, uh, which I probably should have been, you know. Um, I'm kidding. But, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if, if you're like, hey, man, you know, you play with Gates, uh, you know, should I sign with the Jets? And you're like, no, like, the guy's a dick. Like, don't even, don't even play with that guy. He's, he's, you know, he's an ass. So you have to worry about that a little bit because players talk. Yep. Um, so like if it's a, if it's a buddy of Jay Ajahi or Landry, are they really going to want to sign with the Jets if they if they text you know uh, if Odell Beckham texts Landry you know like whatever it may be so that's a little bit of a concern. Some people are concerned with with uh, you know Gates not hiring a, a quarterbacks coach um, and, and him being too focused on Donald. I'm not I'm not gonna I don't really care about that um, because he's he's always has to worry about is the offense now with Williams and obviously Donald's the most important part. Um, so there's not going to be a quarterbacks coach. We'll see if they bring back Josh McCown. Uh, and then the last question is the media. And we talked a little bit before the the whole the whole eye the whole eyes thing at the at the pre, uh, the press conference. Um, that's 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 not really you know involved. But there are some problems in Miami where he if you question him or if you piss him off, he'll call you out on it and he'll kind of make you feel stupid. And he's had some issues with the media. And the Miami media is not as bad. Like obviously it's too pretty big platforms but uh, New York media can be a little bit more aggressive um, and there's some people who have some worries about him with the media if the Jets don't start off fast so you know if you think the Jets depending on free agency depending on the draft if you think they're supposed to be a 10 and 6 win team you know maybe go to the playoffs and they start off on a two-game skid is he going to kind of you know uh, implode and go off on the media so that's that's another worry so what do you think about those little questions we'll talk about some other stuff we're we'll getting to the film oh man well 
just so just the first part of it. Yeah, if I'm a player and I'm considering signing with the Jets as a free agent, if here's the thing, if I'm an offensive player, I'm worried. If it's a, if I'm a defensive player, I'm not that worried. Yeah, it's great so, Williams, yeah. Yeah, so it just kind of depends on it's kind of depends on like what side of the ball that you're on. You know, so um, you know, if it's Greg Williams and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, I can play for Greg Williams, hell yeah. Like no doubt. And he's running the show, so I won't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. But if I'm on offense, yeah, I'm a I'll probably have some questions and be a little bit more concerned about it, you know, to tell you the truth. And I probably mm-hmm. uh I mean, if it were me personally, I wouldn't have my agent do it, like I'm sure a lot of these other players will, but I would call Gates myself and have a conversation with him and we'd actually have to talk about it, you know, so I'm comfortable going in there and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and then make my decision from there. Uh, but like you said, with Greg Williams, you know, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be an issue just because of the history that he has with players. Uh, with the media, dude, he, that's not, that's one fight that you don't want to pick. <laughs> like seriously, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's one fight. You don't want to pick a fight with the New York media in any kind of way. I mean, even even Parcells, when he was there, to some extent, you know, was, you know, he kind of, like, picked his spots, you know, on certain things that he said. And, you know, and he was already, obviously, with the New York media, you know, when he was the head coach of the Giants. So he understood. So he wouldn't really call anybody out. You might get a smart-ass comment, you know, or something, you know, to that effect. But yeah. I don't think, you know, it wasn't to – I've never – you know, I can't recall him doing anything to the effect of how Gase was doing in Miami. And mm-hmm. so Gase needs to understand, like, yes, you're the head coach, but, dude, this ain't Miami. So, <laughs> like, yeah. you're going to have to dial it back a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. in, regards to, in regards to the media. So hopefully somebody, you know, told him that, you know, or help him along with that, you know, and, and the, the PR people, you know, in the Jets organization, they're really good about that kind of stuff anyway, so they'll help him along with that. But yeah, he that's he, he doesn't that's one you know, that's one fight you don't that he doesn't need to pick. He doesn't need to be trying to fight the New York media because everybody will turn on him at that point. You know, yeah. yeah. Regardless of what he's doing. You know, you just don't want to do that. And you know the Jets uh it's it's pretty obvious that the Jets um owners listen to the media, which they shouldn't do. Oh yeah. Um, but they do. There there's been multiple um you know, situations where you can see that they, they listen to me, to the media and at least not don't listen to the media, like, Oh, hire Matt rule care, hire Matt rule, but they definitely let it play into their decisions. And, and they know right. the pulse of the media and the fan base. So I'm um, just like the whole Doug Marone thing. Like nobody wanted Doug Marone or right. people want, some people wanted Doug Marone. Manish Meadow went on and on and on and about how, how bad of a hire he would be. He seemed like he was a lock to the, to be a head coach and the jets just, just completely like terminated the talks with him. Right. <laughs> um, but let's talk about a little bit of like the. We'll, I'm going to get into some of the other things, uh, and then we'll talk about a little bit of like the formations and some of the, the things I saw. Then we'll like get into the actual film. Um, but the, from the from the from the on the field standpoint, listen, the Dolphins went 23 and 25 under him. Is that a good record? No, but I remember specifically talking with you when we played them. Whether it was week, I think it was the uh, the later time they played them in like week whatever it was, nine, ten, eleven, whatever it was, and mm-hmm. we're like, how are the Dolphins winning so many games? They don't really have this much talent. A lot of that reason was was Gase, and I'm going to be honest because I when I watched the film, I saw a lot of guys running open. Um, so yeah, uh, did he go 23 and 25? Yes, but with the roster he had, and especially with Tannehill, Tannehill, the you know the starting quarterback, obviously sitting out 24 of those 48 games, it's not a terrible of a record. Uh, first year there, led the Dolphins to 10 and six. Uh, 
which is, like I said, 2015 was his first year. And uh, three of those games were to close out with Matt Moore, who is a, a backup at best in this league. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been multiple quarterbacks who he's coached or been the offensive coordinator of who have had the best seasons under him. Uh, Jay Cutler with the Bears. Uh, Peyton Manning. Now, listen, I'm not going to give him a ton of credit for Peyton Manning, but obviously Peyton Manning has a ton of respect from Cole. The Jets told him that he respects them. And you have to give him at least the slightest little bit of credit for uh, – not credit like Manning obviously did it, but is that that season in was it 2014 or 15 the Broncos all those record setting records, those record setting records, those uh, yard setting records and and touchdowns and all that stuff. You have to give him at least a little bit of credit for that. He did call the plays and he gave some of the plays to Manning to to call. Um, right. Matt Moore had his best season under him. So there's been multiple quarterbacks who get it who have an uptick in production with Gase, which is a, which is a positive for a young quarterback in uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, if you're if you're strictly looking at that aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can't really deny that. And I mean, and like you said, it's hard to give him a you know give him credit with, with Peyton Manning because you know that's Peyton Manning. But at the end of the day, um, he was able to form a relationship with Peyton Manning. Knows what kind of plays that he likes. He didn't really have to do any you know any developing or anything like that. <clears throat> but like you said, he yeah. called the plays and, you know, yeah, he, even like Marcus, even if it was like check with me passes, like, okay, you have like three passes that you right. call. he called those passes. Then he gave Peyton Manning the, the flexibility. Okay. Call one of these three passes. You have right. to get some type of credit for that. that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm agree. Yeah. I'm agreeing yeah, yeah. with you. I'm just saying from a development standpoint, mm-hmm. he didn't have to oh, for sure. do that part of it with Peyton Manning, but mm-hmm. in regards to like the plays and knowing what plays that Peyton Manning likes, uh, yeah. being able to dial up the right plays, you know, allowing him to have that flexibility. Uh, which is easier, obviously, yes, because it is Peyton Manning. So you can mm-hmm. – it makes your job a little bit easier. But with some of the other quarterbacks, like you mentioned, Matt Moore, Jay Cutler, uh, you know, they all had, you know, really good seasons under him. So, he, obviously, from a coordinator standpoint, he knows what he's – you know, he knows what he's doing in that regard. Um, and just like I, I text you, you know, when we were talking about it, I mean, really, a lot of, you know, the reason why the offense wasn't as productive as it should have been was because of Tannehill. And not necessarily because of Gates. Oh, we'll show so, that. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, I think we're both in agreement on that. You know, from you know, regards to him being a coordinator and and putting game plans together, you know, and and knowing how to how to manage the game, you know, from an offense coordinator standpoint, you know, he's really good at that. You know, but when you become a head coach, you know, you get like seven, eight, nine, ten more other things that you have to worry about. You know, as a head coach, and maybe he just couldn't manage it all while he was in Miami. So. You know, that's why bringing in, you know, a Greg Williams type coach, you know, will help him out so they can split the duties. He only has words about worried about certain things and, you know, maybe it should, you know, it should work out, you know, a little bit better for him this time. Yeah, we're, we'll definitely show a lot of Tannehill. I, resp- I, I like Tannehill more um, before I watched this than other people, but now I, I understand he's no. just not a good quarterback. Yeah. Um, you saw that clearly that some problems came from Tannehill not keying blitzes or throwing bad balls or just not great talent or, uh, you know, around um, around the team in general, like the receivers, like, you know, Devontae Parker, I, I don't like him at all. You have a Kenny Stills and Albert Wilson, that they're, they're kind of whatever to me, honestly. They're, they're kind of just – they're jags to me, even though I like Wilson's, uh, you know, yak ability. Um, but then there were some times where he would run deep concepts and Miami's offensive line couldn't block for him, or he liked to run a lot of wide receiver screens, bubble screens, slip screens, tunnel screens, whatever the screen you want to call it, and the, the uh, receivers couldn't block. So, like, there, there's definitely some questions now, questions I did have with his offense. Um, 
which we'll get into, but just in terms of personnel, like we said, he seems to be one of those coaches who like, if you, it's his way or the highway. And mm-hmm. if you don't agree with his philosophy or you don't fit his philosophies, he's not going to use you. And right. times where I feel like he used Frank Gore a little bit too much this season, where I want to see more of Kenyon Drake and uh, Albert Wilson into the offense. Um, and then there's also a question with his with his offense that we're not really going to be able to get into because it's a tendency thing um, that I saw. There, there was many plays that I'll show that worked a lot when he ran them, and then he would never go back to them. So he would kind of try to outsmart himself. Like, I can just throw a crap load of concepts on you. You're never able to figure me out where – I talked about it in the article that I did where, okay, Marcus, you know, let's say it's just a sale concept, whatever. Let's just say it's a sale concept. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Now I'm going to run that sale concept maybe five, 10 times a game until you stop it. Um, When you do stop it, teams are going to see that they're going to, they're going to implement that same game plan into their, into their uh, game plan that next week. So let's just say it's a sale concept. And um, on that nine route on the sideline, um, you're going to roll coverage to play over that nine wrap. But now I turn into a post in the middle field open. Boom. I, you get hit for a big post. Like you, you, you adapt to how you think teams are going to adjust that concept. A lot of good coaches do that, but he right. didn't do that. He, he would just run a ton of different concepts and never go back to things that, so like he had some things he went back to, but there were some plays I saw. I was like, wow, that really worked. And I never saw it again. So that's, that's one, that was one of my issues with his offense. We'll, we'll get into that. So, okay. Yeah. And I mean, and, you got to be able to adjust to that. And that's why I said, you know, just with the strong personality, because I, I, I was kind of think of it as the same way where it's either his way. And if it doesn't work, it's not, it's not his fault. It's, you know, the mm-hmm. player's fault. And I think that's where probably a lot of the players, you know, on the offensive side, you know, had issue with him because he wouldn't try to change anything up or do anything different. Uh, you know, and after watching the film and, and then hearing that, you know, that's, you know, they kind of go together, you know, you can kind of understand why those two things go together. Yeah, so um, let's just get into it. So I'm going to basically – I'm just going to read off some things I noticed, and then we'll actually get into it. Um, people ask, like, what kind of offense he runs. I think, honestly, maybe you'll know more from – because I'm not like – I like to watch film, and I know what I'm watching for the most part. But, like, in terms of, like, oh, what offense and what guy made made this scheme, unless I research it, I don't really know. But I would say it's like a West Coast Air Corrals type system. We have the West Coast spacing type concepts under, under the – underneath where you can give guys some room to run. Um, and short, you know, short timing type routes. And then you have the air coil where it's a lot of vertical type concepts as well that are mixed into there. But then he right. also has air raid type stuff where it's a lot of, it's a lot of rubs. It's a lot of mesh concepts, a lot of uh, short things with stacks and bunches that you see in air raid, um, empty sets, 11 personnel, that type of deal. So he's, it's honest, it's almost hard to pin an offense on him because he does so many different things. Uh, right. Formations. I wrote down a lot of formations, pistol, empty, uh, wide receivers in the backfield, shotgun, uh, three by one sets, wing sets, pistol, gun splits, Y ISOs. It's just he did every he did everything, uh, and we'll show that as well. Now for the passing concepts, I don't, I'm not going to. I shouldn't even read all of these. Um, I'm not going to. Marcus sees it on the screen. He can see all those concepts. There is a lot of concepts. I do not have to read all of them because people are not going to know half of, not even half of the ones I'm, I'm going to say. Um, right. <laughs> but Marcus, if you see that list right there, there's yeah. a lot of concepts that I saw in in his in his um in his film. We'll show a decent amount of those, not all of those, because there's some plays where, like, let's say, pick out a random one where I would see a, a, a double china, and maybe that double china didn't work, but I saw it, so I wrote it down. And this is where I wrote it down. Uh, now, the run game with him is the run game was one of the first things I noticed when I was watching this film that I was really excited about because I, I like the diversity of the run game. Now, the issue with that is that Eric, they had Eric Studesville who came in uh, with – he came in after his year – was it 2000, yeah, 2016 or 2017 was the year that C.J. Anderson had 1,000 yards with the, with the Broncos. He left 
uh, the Broncos came to the to the Dolphins for just one year or just last year. Right. And the run game uh-huh. was fantastic. With it's primarily inside zone. I'd say like 70 percent is inside zone, but a ton of misdirection, fake pitches into sweeps, uh, into end arounds, into throws. Um, he mixed. He he would do every type of zone: uh, stretch zone, outside zone, inside zone, tight zone, belly zone. Uh, trap blocks, wham, duo, um, everything. Read, read option, uh, wildcat reverses, power, uh, counter. There was he did everything. I like that, but the the thing is, I didn't want to get too too much into the run game, Marcus, because what's the point of reviewing the run game if we don't have the run game coordinator? So right now, now how much does that go into it? That's a question. I that's better, I guess, ask for you. But you don't really. I, I'm assuming that you don't really know either because you're not you're not in that room, but. Now, Gase decided, okay, when to run the ball, obviously. But did he decide what run to do? I, I don't know. Or did the off, did the Eric Studesville, the run game coordinator, just decide, just uh, kind of coach up the players on how to run the run game? I don't, I don't know as well. But we'll have, we have some of the run game, um, but not all of it. But uh, I don't know if you know anything more about that, like run game coordinator. Yeah, well, usually, usually the run game coordinator or the passing game coordinator, they're the guys that put together just specifically that. So um, they'll – basically break down whoever the you know the opponent that they're playing that week and come up with the best runs to run you know for that you know for the game you know of that week uh so but i think at the end of the day um just because of kind of who gase is he's probably the guy that's calling everything you know obviously you know he's the one deciding which runs to run and the run game coordinator is probably you know he's probably in the zone say hey you know keep you know keep the counter in mind keep the you know you know you know, go back to, you know, go back to the wham or go back to the zone or whatever. He's probably yeah. in his ear, you know, making recommendations and things like that. But I think at the end of the day, Gates is the one making the decisions. Um, so the the thing with, you know, having all those runs and even, you know, having all those passing concepts, you know, concepts, things like that, that's all great. Like, I like it because I'm similar in that manner with my defense is always, you know, I like to, you know, I'm, you know, I can probably run, a version or some form of every defense that you can think, you know, you know, mm-hmm. that's been around. However, you've got to have like 10, 12, like 15 plays that like you know you come back to that, you know, that's your bread and butter that mm-hmm. you know you can do well, you know, and, and, you know, I haven't watched enough film to see if Miami, you know, if Miami did that, you know, or if Gates does that, you know, as opposed to just running, you know, a whole bunch of crap, just throwing on the wall to see what sticks, but you got to have, you know, 10 to 12 plays where, you know, you know, regardless of what they're in, we can execute it and we can get it done. You know, it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like to make it to make it easier to understand. Think about uh, like guys that run Tampa, like the Colts, or like you know back in the day when you know they ran Tampa too with you know with the with the Buccaneers when uh, Derek Brooks and all those guys were there. They played they played two against everything. It didn't matter what formation you came out in. And yeah. the Colts were like that this year too. You know, the Colts were the same way under. You know, Eberfuss, you know, it didn't matter what you came out in, what formation you, you came in, what play it was, they knew how to run it against everything. And offensively, you've got to have the same thing as to where you've got 10 or 12 plays where you know that you can do that. The Patriots did it all the time. The Patriots don't do anything crazy. The Patriots run the same damn plays they've been running since Bill was in New York with us. And some of that stuff is that he's that they're running – he ran in Cleveland when he was a head coach. Like, some of that stuff is all the same. You just have to be able to run it against – everything and I think with Gase um which I think actually happened now that I'm thinking about it in Denver when he had Peyton Manning there were like 
certain plays, like they always ran like uh, spin pose or they ran like uh, they ran a drag with the dig and I can't remember what they ran on the backside. They ran that all the time when Peyton was in Denver. You know, that, that was like the money play, like all the time. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's I think what he's going to have to be a little bit more focused on, you know, coming in, you know, his second time around as the head coach is knowing, you know, what plays he can run all the time, you know, particularly with the personnel that he has and throwing and all the other formations and concepts or whatever, you just throw those in by whoever you're playing is, you know, kind of like extra plays, you know, is what I call them. They're not really trick plays, but they're just like, you know, added plays that you can throw in that you either want to see or you want to try against certain defenses, certain formations, certain coverages, things like that. Yeah. Um, and we'll get into that because, like I said, there was there was definitely some concepts you saw, uh, like the like the wheel concept, mesh concept, high low high low reads over the middle, uh, cab. There were certain ones that you saw a lot, but then there were certain ones um, that you didn't see as much uh, that we will show. Um, and we talk about the quarterbacks too, and you know personnel. Uh, a lot of a lot of eleven. Eleven is like ninety percent of the time. He'll he'll run twelve, or run thirteen, or run twenty two, or run twenty one, all that stuff. Um, but he he'll use wide receivers in the backfield. He'll he'll use tight ends as fullback. He'll use tight ends out wide. But eleven personnel is definitely his bread and butter. Uh, bread, uh, bread and butter. And people who don't know that what that is by now, uh, just one one tight end, one uh, running back. A lot of pre-snap motion to help the quarterback, both you know, uh, pre, uh, you know, ID coverages. Because usually, if it's if they're if they're traveling with that motion, um, it's going to be man for the most part. That's not the case all the time. Um, not much lead blockers. Uh, there were some times where I, I felt like he ran a little bit too many screens or too much screens. Um, but I also felt that that was that might have been a little bit because he had Tannehill as his quarterback, and people said, okay, well, um, you know, he he, uh, what is it called that? There's some, there's some people. There's the two couple things I heard about other people, or that said that they said about him was, oh well, he only schemed to get one guy open, which is kind of mo- mostly the case for a lot of things. You're always gonna you always scheme to have one guy open. You can't have multiple guys open because you're looking uh, for the matchup, right? Yeah. So if you're running a let's just say a levels read or a drive concept over over the middle, yeah, you're expecting one of the the linebackers to jump on on the on the drag so that they can open up behind it. That's that's usually right. how things work. Um, but then there was there was multiple plays where th- two three guys were open. Tanhill just didn't see them, so that's not that wasn't the case. I, I do not agree with that. Um, but we'll get into it now. And in screens, like I said, I think he ran a little bit too many screens. But I also think that was because Tanhill was his quarterback and he couldn't make reads. And there's those people. Oh well, play to Tanhill's strength. Strengths. When a quarterback doesn't have many strengths, how do you play to them? If you have two, three guys running open on some plays and you can't hit them, what are you supposed to do as a coach? You know, like there's a certain extent right. where you just can't help a guy. Right. And no, I agree with that. And with Tannehill, yeah, it is hard to really figure out what his strengths are. You know, to tell you the truth, I mean, you know, you know, he can run a little bit because he's in, you know, he's athletic and he, you know, just you know, he played wide out of the A and M and like one year quarterback. So you know, he can run. He has athleticism to do that. But yeah, that is that does make it hard and. While I, I mean, going back to the screens, you know, screens, especially when you're when you're running bubble screens, you know, things like that. That's just an extension of the run game, you know. To tell you the truth, so if the run's not running and you want to try to get some, you know, quick yards, two, three yards here, three or four yards here, you know, usually screens are the answer when you're trying to pick up, you know, mm-hmm. a few yards. It's an extension of the run game, so that may be the case as well. So you just really never know. Just you know, it depends on the situation, you know, during the game and you know at what point in the game he needed, you know, to get something going or or kind of get some yards going, you know, in regards to the screens, but. I don't think he – I mean, he shouldn't have that problem with Darnold. You know, Darnold can do everything. So so it should be a lot easier for him to, you know, scheme at and, and do a lot of different things with, with Sam Darnold. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Darnold is already a better quarterback than Tannehill. It's not saying much, but some of the reads he was making and some of the throws into tight windows that he was making in his first year were much more complex than anything that, that Tannehill even did this year, uh, in my right. opinion. Tannehill, yeah. you're, you're going you're gonna to watch and see with us. Uh, he was just not good. And I'm just going to show some diversity. I'm going to show a lot of different plays um, in, his, in his game. Uh, definitely, let's throw a lot to running back. And here we have uh, 21 personnel. I call this a weak pistol set. Um, weak because the, the pistol side is more fa- it's obviously favored to the to the weak side. They run an inside zone um, with this with this split uh, running back here, which kind of pulls the defense inside. You see the linebackers react to that, which gives that swing route from the running back, um, you know, behind the behind the quarterback more room to to operate. Now, is it a great play? Um, no, not necessarily. But he's but he's opening himself. He's he's opening up the. Uh, you know, the, the field for that running back. So I'm just, like I said, I'm just going to show some diversity. I'm going to show a lot of things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's actually, that's, I mean, really that's, and, and this is just my defense of my working to me, that's an RPO. It's the same thing. So the only difference is, is instead of throwing a slant or throwing anything like that, you just swing it out to the back, you know, you draw in, you know, he's still, you're still reading the end, you know, which the linebacker 44, because, you know, Tennessee plays a 3-4. He jumps all the way inside, so that obviously leaves the swing, you know, the swing right open, you know, as opposed to just throwing it to, you know, throwing it to the slant. So, to me, I look at it. That's how I look at it. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same. But it does show you diversity. You know, he can line up in different concepts and attack you, you know, in different ways like that. You know, that's, you know, that's definitely, you know, a positive. Oh yeah, well we're gonna like I said, it's a lot. Of, a lot of the plays I'm gonna show just for is just, is for diversity as well. I'm not gonna show a thousand plays of him beating a defense, um, but I, this is one of those plays where I talked about where they're lining up uh, in a gun, gun set three by one with a with a wide bunch here, um, and bunch just being three guys tight of the point man and two guys uh, behind. Uh, and this is one of the plays where I talk about. Well, one obviously they they most I think they hurried to the line here. The, Titans defense was not ready, which I like already. You're taking advantage of what the defense is giving you. If they're not ready, then call a play, get it out. Right. Um, and you're playing the numbers advantage. We have three guys over to this, to this, uh, to the field side. So you're, you're figuring two, two on two, and then you're gonna have to, you know, the the uh, the receivers have to make one guy miss. But this is where I talk about the receivers just being terrible at blocking. Now I don't know the exact call for what they were supposed to do, but you have um, Amendola catch this ball right here. You have two guy, two two receivers block the same guy. And then you have a free a free man right there who is literally the closest threat to Amendola um, from right. the inside. So this is just a blown it's a blown assignment by one of them. I can't say exactly what they were supposed to do here, but I know they weren't supposed to block the same guy. Um, so no, well the point guy the point guy was right. It was the second guy that was wrong. Is what it is. When whatever you get the point, you take you you take first to show, and because Tennessee's not ready. Um, I mean, if it, well, actually, the point, they're both wrong. The point guy should take the first, the closest one uh, inside DB because he'd be the point man, and then the second wide receiver would block the corner on the outside. And it's Amandola's job to make the other guy miss. You want, you want the point to, pre- to, to hit the inside because he's the fr- – he's he's Yeah, a, he's first, he's first call of the show. This yeah. outside guy to take here. And then, and then right. Amandola, you know, uh, rounds it out to the outside, and then he has to beat one guy for maybe a touchdown if you can outrun right. that right. That, uh, that middle safety. Right. Um, so this is just that's what I showed. Like, okay, is that a bad play call? No, it's not. It's actually no. a good play call. You, it's a good play call. Yeah, you're expecting your guys to beat one on one. So if he could beat one guy in the open field, it's a, it's it's probably a touchdown. Um, and they're not ready on top of that. But when you have bad execution, you know, is that him? Is that the players? I don't. You know, it's it's kind of hard with that. But uh, this is one of those plays that okay, goes for you know what f- what four or five yards on third down. 
but it should have been a lot more if it was properly executed. So um, one of the plays mm-hmm. would be like, oh, it's a terrible play, but it really wasn't. So at least a play call. Um, execution, how they practice it, that's a different, that's a whole different level that we're not even going to get into because we're not sitting in practice. All we can do is watch the film. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's another one. So next, next play, uh, I, I, let's see what this is. I labeled as an open, like an open eye formation, uh, just cause you have that tight end uh, flex that, that, that Y flex a little bit right there. So it's not, a, it's not closed like a usual eye formation is. Um, but here is like one of those things where I talked about with the fake pitch to, uh, 15, which is Wilson, I believe. So this is where I talk about having running backs in the backfield, which is a little bit confusing for a defense. A lot of things you have to prepare for. Um, you have that fake pitch, which is which holds those linebackers right there. You see, you see that uh, that Mike and Sam right there. They get held, and then you have the sweep. At least I would call that a that a sweep to the to the uh, to the weak side right here, um, which goes for. I think it doesn't go for a huge run, but again, diversity. I actually like that play. Yeah, that's actually a cool play. I mean, yeah, because I mean, and this is, I mean, this is no different than what the Rams are doing. I mean, Philly's doing where you get a lot of window dressing, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it turns out, <clears throat> you know, it turns out, um, you know, it's a you know a basic play, you know, that we're which is, you know, I mean, if you, I guess you can call this sweep, or you can call it uh, counter, you know, looking, you know, at, at, you know, looking at the center pulling. So, you know, but I do like the diversity with the the different personnel mix up, you know, mixing up. Um, because, you know, because you definitely, you know, want to play, you want to be able to show defenses a lot and test their eye discipline. And if it's not there, you know, you may have the chance for a successful play. And like you said, this isn't a huge game, but it's still a good play, especially if it's a third down play, like third and short or second and short or something like that. You know, it's a good play to where it works out well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would I would call this a sweep just because it goes to the outside. But some people, yeah. if you have that, if you have that left guard, um, leading the hole, which he which he is, as and you have the the uh, left tackle on the outside. Some people uh, call that a counter too, as well. Right. But um, it just depends on on terminology. You call it a, a counter. So I'm just I'm just calling it a, it a sweep, just because it's a little bit different um, mm-hmm. from some other counters that I've seen. But uh, right. terminology, it's you know it is what it is. So um, I'm gonna call that a sweep. But yeah. so f- another play in the run game. Uh, and this is where I was excited that I figured out a couple. I figured like a day later, like oh well, Eric Studsville did. I was like, damn. But Hopefully they can nab him from Miami. Um, and here we just see, uh, you know, the, the, this is a, it's a trap run. Um, mm-hmm. Here where you have, you know, this uh, the, the three tech or almost like a – he's almost he's like a slanted three or almost like a four eye here um, mm-hmm. on the play side. And they let him get in immediately. And then you have that like that, uh, that wham block from the uh, tight end right there to, to knock him off his spot. And it's a good freaking – it's a good executed play. Um, and I think, uh, Drake is, is 32, right. And he gets yeah. a, a good game from it. So I, I really like this play as well. Yeah, no, that, that's actually a really good play. And I mean, it's, I mean, like you say, it's a trap. It's just run a different way. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, and people run traps and counters, you know, different ways now, but it's a well-executed play. And again, it shows the diversity and it shows using different personnel groupings. Uh, you can still run some of these same plays. Uh, you know that are that are successful you know depending on who you're playing so i I definitely like to play i mean it's definitely a good play Mm -hmm. yeah yeah for sure um and then we're getting more and uh this is a this is duo this is what i call duo. some like some people really confuse inside zone and duo but i you can watch this and tell me if you if you see duo i i I see duo here yeah yeah because of the two inside blocks and usually on an inside zone you're gonna have you're gonna have that center working to this the strong side of the mic right Um, on duo you're gonna have the double usually double teams you want to have the best the 
the, the point of duo, it's, if you look at duo, it's almost like a power without a, without a puller. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have two, you have two double teams, and if there was another, if it was like a wing right here, you'd have two double teams to, to this linebacker here. They would work to him. If it was like a four three, normal four three, you'd read that mic, um, and they'd work to him as well. But uh, just because the center's working to the backside linebacker, I'm gonna call it duo. Uh, yeah. So another, just again, another more diversity in the run game. I'm just you know trying to show. Right. Yeah, and that's duo. Just like just mm -hmm. like we said, I, I would say it the same way. You know as well. You know, as a okay. you know, just because of the blocking scheme. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely not inside zone. No, no way. But yeah, looking at the steps and looking at everything. No, that's that's definitely a deal. But I mean, I like to play. I mean, it's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, decent job by the the guard trying to get to that linebacker. But I mean, the setup. You know, in regards to just the play itself and how it's set up. You know, I think it's a really good play. And and I, I like the action. You know, from the lineman, and you know, you pick up a good gain on this. So it's definitely a good play. Yeah, some well, the problem with duo and inside zone. Some people assume okay, just because there's two double teams in the uh, double teams are, are combo blocks in, in the in the middle and the interior, they automatically say it's duo. But there's a lot of combo blocks inside zone if you're working up to that second level that those linebackers on the play side. So right, so there's people who say okay, two two combos, it's 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 a duo, which I do not agree with. It's about the, the IDing the the Mike linebacker and working to the backside of for the center. Right, uh, just for people who want to get nerdy, but that's just you know it's a film show, so <laughs> you know this is this is what it is. Um, now, what did I so yeah? So this is this is what I talk about like those those stacks where this is another um, two by two by two gun. Uh, the running back is on the strong side, the, and the strong side is determined by the tight end if there is a tight end um, in line or even flexed out, depending on how you look at it. Um, so you have running back strong two by two gun with a tight with a tight if you want to call it a tight X tight Z or just a or tight receiver. Um, and it's another, it's, it's one of those clear out things, those rubs that, that they like to do where this, this, uh, the tight end is, is running that route in front of that, uh, that, uh, corner in on purpose, uh, to yep. allow that drag to, to come open, which it does. And it gets hit for, you know, uh, I believe it's a, for it, no, it's yeah, well, almost a first down, but, um, like I said, just clear out on what's not, it's not technically a stack, but a tight alignment from two receivers or a Y and a tight receiver. Yeah, I mean, and, and no, it's definitely a good place just to get man coverage, which you know, which is what you're seeing here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would think Ray will be smart enough to where you combo this, knowing that he runs a lot of stack concepts. But that's another discussion. <laughs> but yeah, but <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's you know a great play design, and and it's actually similar to you know, I mean, even though even though um the Patriots ran it from no, that was part of similar you know similar situation this weekend with with Edelman. The only thing Edelman did was because I think Kansas City was kind of playing a formal combo, they would start motioning down and the guy was getting in trouble. And it was the same concept, though, where where he was getting caught running, you know, running into the number two receiver. But it's it's definitely a good play design. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, a lot of versatility. And I think Donald's going to – I think he's going to flourish in this. And uh, you'll, you, we're going to show a lot. And like I said, if you want to go and, and watch it slowly for yourself, uh, obviously you can just rewind what we're showing you on the film. Or you can go on, like I said, Twitter, um, JoeRB31, go on TurnlandJets.com, and, and it's posted there already. Um, and this is one of those uh, – oh, this is, this is the one where – okay, so this is, this is where I want to see Tanhill make more full, uh, full-filled reads. Where you have, you have the uh, – it's another, um, well, just the 11 personnel. Where's that extra tight end? Or, uh, well, that, well they, have an extra, they have an extra offensive lineman in, actually. Yeah, extra, yeah. Yeah, so um, it's, again, it's, it's actually 10 personnel uh, with an extra offensive lineman, which is a little bit different. Well, no, already. it's 11 tight, tight ends up top. 
Oh, 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 yeah, crap. Okay, I was seeing that motion from that right guard, and I thought it was snapping ball. That's my, that's my fault. So it is eleven, uh, two by two, eleven, and you have a slot left. It might be inverted slot, and play action. He rolls out to the to the left. We have all the most of the reads working to the left. Where you have that, you have that whip. You have the you have the receiver working from the uh, from the boundary side on that over route, and then you have the uh, you call it a call it a flag route, call it a whatever you want to call that from the from the bottom number one receiver. But this is my problem with, with, with him is that he never sees that backside post right there because I, the thing I noticed with Tannehill is he stares down sides of the fields of receivers a lot where he'll never you know look to other sides. Right. Where you see this receiver on the top right here, well, obviously it really alters his speed right here. I don't, that, that, that corner gets beat pretty badly because he alters that speed. But that backside post is wide open. He never sees it. Yeah. I mean, this is a great play design, you know, especially, you know, against what and Tennessee is playing. Too, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So no, he he's definitely got to see that. I think with Darnold, you know, that helped him out. I mean, I know the guys in in Tannehill's face. I get it, but mm-hmm. but once he's Tannehill's looking to that side anyway. Once he sees the safety bite down, you know, kind of, you know, he just kind of looks like he's you know kind of a free player, and he's just reading Tannehill's eyes. Once he sees him, he should be expecting the post to come open. Like he should, you know, that would be, you know, I mean, because the safety is obviously never going to get there. So I agree with you on that, you know. But in regards to like the concept you know, itself, you know, having a couple of guys open, you know, I definitely like the concept. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what I'm saying. It's a good, it's a good front side concept. You have the backside post that's open, but it just never, he never sees a wide open, a uh, wide open. It's not actually in the NFL. That is a wide open. I'm not going to yeah, lie. That's wide open. Yeah. To sugarcoat that one. Um, let's see here. So this is uh, 11 personnel. Um, so I would call this. So even though, the, so, my terminology, and like I said, everybody's different. I'm going to call this uh, Y off, tr- Y off trips. Yeah. But people are different just because the Y is off the line and it's trips to this side. So it's three to that side. So Y off trips, a little bit tighter. Uh, one receiver. So it's three by one um, single back. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's just completely wrong. Mark. That, that's how I've learned it. No, that's trips. Yeah. So, so I would call it Y off trips. Uh, yeah. So you have the, you have the play action. Uh, with the the sale, this is I would call this a sale concept. You have the, you have the over route from the um, number two wide receiver on the uh, the field side right here. He works on that over route, which is working as the intermediate route on the on the sideline. You know, uh, three level read of uh, the uh, with the sale concept. You have the short read right here, uh, and you have the you have the vertical read right here on that nine route. Um, right. And it's again single back play action. And you have a receiver who's wide open, and it's Kenny Stills, and he he drops the ball. You have you have the uh, receiver in the flat who you could throw to. Uh, you have the nine route, which I think is you could probably throw that as well, even though that safety's going over. So that's why I didn't want to uh, want to because he rotated over um, to to play that. But this is a good concept. You have a receiver who's open, and Kenny Stills drops it because of it looks like from the film right here. It looks like he goes underhand. Um, more of a passive catch instead of a, more of an aggressive catch and going and going, uh, you know, attacking the ball with his with his palms towards the ball instead of you know underhand. Um, right. So he drops the ball. So, but he got open. Yeah, he got open. Like you said, it's a good concept, and he's got you know two options. He can throw it to the back. I mean, it would be a minimal game, but you yeah. know, this, you know, the overall wide open. You know, you, you just got to make that catch. Mm-hmm. So you know, you can't you can't fault the concept for that. You know, the guy that that you wanted to come open came open, you know, for the most part. And usually when, when teams run the sale concept, they are looking for the, you know, the over route, you know, mm-hmm. as well. And if it's not there, for example, cause depending on the coverage, sometimes that, that backer won't, won't necessarily jump up on the running back. He'll sink back a little bit, 
you know, to try to guard against the sale concept, you know, the over coming over, and they just play down to the flat. So, so, but in this case, the over is open. You just got to make the catch. You know, it's a good concept. Yeah, it's a, it, I would say this is cover one hole. Um, yeah. Too, and that, 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 uh, that corner does not play that route well if he knows he's, he has anything breaking inside uh, because he's so far off. He's just never going to take it unless he try to pass off to that safety, which he looked like it might have tried to, but the safety never grabbed it. Um, but yes, yeah, he's, he's open. Uh, you have to make that catch. You, you want to see that more aggressive, um, that more aggressive, uh, catching style with, with that diamond towards the ball and attack it, but it just never happens. Um, so the next one, I was, I forgot to mention, remember, uh, Mark, we got, uh, Marcus usually, he's not like huge on Twitter. Uh, he never really, he doesn't go on too much, but, and he doesn't really respond a lot, but the one kid you got mad at this, uh, this last uh, week was pretty funny. I, I enjoyed it. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, dude, yeah, buddy. What was that? What, that, what guy, was that? that guy oh, was talking about Tremaine Johnson and PFF had him graded. And oh yeah, he's like oh, because the-, the kid freaking. So we're in an argument about Tremaine Johnson, or not even really an argument. Cause I don't, I don't really like, go out at people on Twitter anyway. Because listen, if you want to come like on the, on the show, talk film, sure. But with guys like oh well, I don't, I just don't like him. I, I don't argue with people like that because there's really no point. There's no basis to the conversation or base of the conversation, but. Something about Tremaine Johnson. Like, oh well, Pro Football Focus scores said this, and then you talk about the Pro Football Focus scores. He's like, oh well, Pro Football Focus scores and raw scores are different or whatever. Like, dude, you just brought up Pro Football Focus like scores. Like, what are you talking about? But uh, right, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's uh, who cares. Um, so <laughs> uh, this is a um, two by two. I actually, this is twelve personnel. You have the two tight ends. Uh, I don't. I don't know what you call this. I, I just call this an inverted wing um, to to the to the top right here with the two tight ends, mm-hmm. uh, single back, and you have the call that a. I would call that a Yankee concept with the uh, with the deep with the deep over and then the post. Um, and Tannehill throws a. I think he actually catches this ball. So you have that you have that post that comes that comes open right there, and he makes a ridiculous throw. But I just want I wanted to show this for. A, a few reasons um because there's 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 two receivers that are open on this play with that with that yankee um you have that deep over that's that's open right here and that's even before he's going to throw the ball that's coming open that's going to be open no matter what yeah. um unless that unless this guy just f- jumps off of that and takes it which is unlikely at this point um but two two concepts are two uh, routes that are open and it goes for a uh, touchdown i believe yeah that's a, that's like that's the thing with Tannehill. he can make some ridiculous throws that i'm sure to a casual fan that's why they they kind of uh said he was such a good quarterback and better quarterback than people thought but it's all about consistency so good play by Tannehill to hit this but uh i just wanted to show that two guys are open on the yankee yeah no that's a good concept I mean, uh, and you can definitely tell that Tennessee's they're they're confused in the back because I mean really I mean there's a better way to play that obviously but but the concept is good especially if you you know you catch them in a position like they are now where nobody really knows who to take so you make you know you get a chance to make a make a huge play and and he does you know it's a great it is a great throw you're right but like you said it's got to be you know with Tannehill you got to be more consistent you know than than he's been. Yeah, well, that it's it's a good concept because that that Yankee you you, you have uh, you almost call it you can call it, I I put it up here actually you put a Yankee X post because the I would call this the X or the you can call them a, let's call them a split end because mm. people call uh, X's Z's differently usually X is alone but at the same time the X is usually the split end who's who's uh, lined oh, up no, on the scrimmage so I'll, you call right. this Yankee X post 
And that Yankee in the middle puts a lot of stress on that, on that middle safety. And he takes that, that post um, from the number two, which isolates that number, uh, that, that outside corner versus a post, which when you're playing with outside leverage and expecting that, that, that uh, safety in the middle to help you, it's almost impossible uh, to guard. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what happens. Uh, it looks like cover three. I would say it's cover three and they're, they, they rotate a little bit, um, to the one side of the field, but I, like right. I said, I like that play as well. Yeah, no, it's a really good play. Yeah. I like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. And I think in, in nine plays that we showed already, where do you like this offense better than the Jets offense? <laughs> you know, um, yeah. the plays that Darla made that were great. He didn't have receivers running open on a lot of these plays. Uh, this is actually versus the, uh, this is the Jets game where I'm talking about Tannehill and he panics in the pocket when there's pressure. Um, right here, you have this. I, um, so it's third and eight and you have the swing route from the, from the running back right here. And he has a clean – look how clean that pocket is, Marcus. And he just dumps it off. The, right. the linebacker, you can see the linebacker, he kind of he's – like, he's, he's pressuring a little bit and peels off a little bit into coverage. He looks like he's on man and on the running back. And you have this receiver uh, from the bottom of the screen right here uh, who runs – he's open on a drag route. And yep. he probably would have went for a first down. Yeah, he would have caught it five yards behind the line, the, the line he had to gain to. But it's mostly it, – it's a better chance than a swing route right here. So I didn't like this decision by Tannehill. No, not at all. I mean, it's and especially the way that I don't even know who the corner is down there at the bottom. The way that he's playing, and I know he's reacting mm-hmm. on the throw, but like you said, that that you know that's open. You know that that uh that under rattle, that drag rattle, whatever it is from from the mm-hmm. wide out. So the concepts are there. You know, like like you've been showing. You know, you know they're there. You know to be taken. And I think you know Sam. We probably would have hung in there a little bit longer, and, and you know probably hit the drag as opposed to just dumping it off to the back for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is why I started watching. I'm like, you know what? I don't like the whole thing off the field with Gase, but uh, there was plenty of plays that were just not hit, uh, be- rather be bad reads, missed throws, panic in the pocket, um, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and this is I'm trying to see exactly what I thought about on this play. Uh, so you have a. 12 personnel, uh, wing. Some people call it like an ace pair. I just want to call it a wing to be simple. Uh, you have the play action here that you have that sifter, uh, work from this side to block that, uh, to block Adams actually. Oh yes. I remember what happens here. Um, the, he completely, so you can see him as he, as he, as he fakes that run. Um, he looks to the, to the top right here and the way mm-hmm. the corner is playing like, okay, maybe he bites down a little bit. Uh, so he doesn't throw it right there, but he never comes back to it. Look how open that receiver is wide, for, uh, wide for open. A, yeah. wide open. And it's only, it's, it's like isolation routes where you're running a uh, stop or a curl and then you're running an out. Once, once he sees that out's not really open, he doesn't want to throw it um, because it's behind the line, behind the line he needs to gain. Um, he needs to look back to this side with, with a clean pocket, but you have Adams who eventually breaks, uh, you know, breaks through that block on the backside and he gets a sack, but uh, I don't know, he misses that big time. Yeah, that's a, yeah. He definitely misses that, you know. And I mean, I know a play's going that way, but he's scoring the pocket, and he still got time. Mm-hmm. That ball should have been gone, you know, before he even decides to even think about running. You just got to come back to it. So I mean, because that that curl's wide open, like you said. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, moving on. Um, you said, and I, I honestly, I didn't even like, I didn't like cherry pick good plays. Uh, there's a lot of this, um, and obviously there's some bad plays. Not every single play is going to work. But as long as it's not a play where, okay, let's say you're running a sale concept and they, and they cover it really well, am I going to kill him for that? No. But if it's, if it's what Jeremy Bates was doing where it's, 
you know, four guys run to the run to the uh, run and run stick routes where you have like four hooks or four curls or four stops, whatever you want to call it, or a snag, and that's all that Darnold had to decide between. Like that's the plays I put up. Like that's a bad freaking play. Like what are you doing? So there's plays that didn't work, but I thought it was a it's a good concept. You know, that's I didn't put it up. Um, this is some of the wildcat. I don't know if this is more Gase or if this is more uh, Eric Studsville. But you have, like, an inside read option, uh, at, at least I believe. I don't know if he was never going to hand it off to that, to that, uh, to that runner um, who split from the from – the, uh, whether it's be a receiver or a running back. Um, doesn't hand it off to him. You have that blocker who – that sifter coming from the front side uh, – from the back side to, uh, to lead for him. And um, I just like I, – like I said, just to show versatility again, I think there's something else wrong with this play. Um, I forget exactly what it was. Oh, yeah, the left – you see the right ta- – the left tackle right there. If this is a better block on Williamson, um, this most likely goes for a bigger gain, but uh, – or at least a couple more yards. But um, right, completely missed right there, but – No, but I mean, but I, did, I like the play because, like you said, it shows versatility and it gives you more – you know, it, it gives you more defensively to prepare for. So now you, exactly. you got to prepare for all the different type of, you know, concepts, you know, that you may think that they're going to run against you on top of you know, all the personnel groupings that, you know, that he's going to give you. So this mm-hmm. is something else to prepare for. And it's, and it's something different. So I, I definitely, I definitely like it. You know, that even if it's sprinkled in two or three times during the game, you know, that's yeah. two or three times where, you know, you may catch the defense in the wrong spot, you know, in a wrong, you know, in a, or in a wrong, <clears throat> in a wrong call. And it comes out to be a big play. Mm-hmm. And people say, okay, well, there's a whole bunch of blockers there or, or a whole bunch of guys there. So would it have been a really bigger gain? If he, if he, if he, um, you know, holds this linebacker on the, on the back side right here, um, obviously he has to, he has to make uh, 51 miss right there, which is Copeland. Uh, Adams gets crack block. And then if 54, if, if Williamson wasn't right there, uh, this tight end never has to alter his, his, uh, his path. And then he goes right to Claiborne on the outside. So is it probably bigger? Game? I, I would think so. Um, but because the left tackle missed their block right there, uh, you know, it is what it is. So it another is play, is right. <laughs> uh, you know, read option again, versatility, um, something that I don't want to see the Jets do a lot. Like you said, the Wildcats, even if the Wildcats once a game or even maybe once every other week, like it's just something, another wrinkle they have to prepare for because coordinators are watching every, like every single game of that season. So it's something else that they have to, you know, to prepare for here. Uh, again, just an inside zone read option. This is something that Donald can definitely do. Do not want to see it a lot, though. Yeah, you won't see it a lot. Not with Donald. Now, Tannehill's a better runner than Donald. I mm-hmm. will say that. You know, but you so you so you won't see this a whole lot. You you may get this a few times a year. Yeah, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. Like and, and again, just like Wildcat. I don't think it's something you're going to see a lot. But if you see it once every other game, right? All right that's fine. But don't get Donald killed. And he's not obviously he's he wasn't a receiver in college. He's not as athletic as Tannehill. Tannehill's super athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, third and four. Okay, so this is one of those ones where it's a little bit more. I'm asking a little bit more of Tanning Tannehill. Um, then it's like not a completely it's actually you'll, you'll probably see it as a bad play. Um, but it's a, uh, it's third and four, uh, 50 yard line is the first down. You have a, you have a stack on the, on the bottom right here. Uh, looks like 11 personnel, two by two gun uh, with a stack to the left and it's man coverage, which one <laughs> we've seen is playing with the jet. They're playing on the same level. Claiborne right. and screen literally run into each other, which we've talked about plenty of times before. That that linebacker here is on the man on that running back, Tannehill because he looks he's looking to the left immediately. I think in my mind he hits that drag immediately. That's a first down. He catches the ball here and he and he and he 
you know, uh, cuts it upfield and that's a first down. So right. I think he missed that drag right there for that first down. And instead, he waits for the uh, – because it's a mesh concept. They run a mesh concept with that – you know, the stack comes under a mesh right here. Um, and then he throws it to this guy who drops it. But uh, he missed the first down, in my opinion. No, he did miss it. I mean, because at the top, Jamal and the linebacker are playing in and out on on the tight end. So he goes in, Jamal jumps him. The linebacker sinks now. He's looking for work. So when the other drag comes all the way across – all he has to do is pick him up as opposed to Tannehill hitting him right there, uh, you know, and it being more of a – which you got to be – you know, you know, it, as a receiver in the QB, you got to be on the same page with that. Seeing that, I mean, but Tannehill's got to see that. You know, that's a missed throw, like you mm-hmm. said. Yeah, and uh, I watched a lot of this, and I was like, I don't want people to think I'm, like, picking on the guy, but he's not good. Uh, and I think, like I said, Donald, I think he makes – you could, you see – we've seen Donald make these throws already. Um so, uh, jet sweep with lead into reverse. I don't know if I necessarily – when I watch I just, like, do crazy. Oh, so it's just a reverse. You have a, you have a, yeah. you have a jet sweeper there, um, which, turns into a, which turns into a reverse for f- – who is 19 on their team? I don't know who 19 is. Um, again, diversity. Uh, it probably – Yeah, became. Oh, okay. So, uh, this probably went for more yards, but screen obviously looked like a freaking like Spider-Man move or something. I don't even know. He obviously grabbed his face mask here and right. got an extra 15 yards. But uh, again, just showing that, that diversity um, and maybe yeah. only something you're going to see once or twice a game. But, uh, you know, I think it's, I think it's a good wrinkle. No, it is a good wrinkle. And especially against man coverage because, you know, everybody's flowing when you play a man and everybody's flowing, you know, flowing with, <clears throat> you know, with the offense. So, you know, being able to throw some of these things in, and everybody started to play a lot more man coverage in the league in this zone. So now, you know, these plays are, you know, are starting to work a lot more. So, you know, it's definitely a good concept, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, somebody like a Robbie, you know, like Robbie Anderson is taking advantage of, you know, somebody like, like that or Quincy Anuwa, you know, be good, you know, running that, you know, cause he's a better runner, you know, obviously. So, so a lot of these plays fit, you know, what, you know, some of the personnel that the Jets have. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and so uh, here it's just another three by one. Uh, the wide tight end in line, uh, mm-hmm. running back strong, and uh, this is what I call double China um, with those mm-hmm. two the two ends from the outside and then the, and in the corner route. Right. Um, and he has two, and oh, he only gets one guy open a play, and obviously Buster Screen does not play that very well uh, versus cover one, and they're showing corners over. So this is already. Um, that three by one, three by one helps definitely to uh, show defenses before because if you're playing, if you're playing man coverage, you can't really disguise your man coverage in three by one very well. Um, right. Whereas if it's like a two by two, it's a little bit easier to disguise man or zone on um, whether you have like a capping or whatever it may be. Um, but you have corners over, which is showing that uh, that man. You have the you have Buster Screen here who plays that in that short end terribly, um, but he's open. You have him who you have that receiver who catches the ball number two. And then you also have the uh, the corner route open on that double China look. So two guys yep. open on one play. So yeah, and like you said, I like this concept just because if you are playing man, you can't disguise it now. I mean, there's you know there's really no way to do it. You know, unless mm-hmm. unless you unless you walk a back route back to uh, you know back the corner you know back the corner out or something. I mean, there's I mean you could try to do something, but for the most part, guys are just going to line up and. Ain't gonna have to show what it is, so now it makes it easier on the quarterback to make the read. So, yeah, he yeah he helps. <laughs> he, he, it's cool. Uh, he definitely helps his his quarterbacks. Just like I said, that he loves the three by one. Uh, that's definitely probably his favorite uh, three by one. So he's helping with, with the, uh, the quarterback ID, and then also if it's not three by one, I noticed that he he does a lot of pre snap uh, motions and 
um, things like that to, again, help my day. So he's helping Tannehill. Like, oh, play to his strengths. He's, he's doing everything he possibly can for the guy. Yeah. Um, again, uh, this, is, this is empty uh, three by – or uh, empty ten personnel – or sorry, well, yeah, okay. We have, it's just empty. We have a stack to the bottom right here uh, in, the, in the three by two. And another concept where – they get open. They they switch releases right here, um, which puts a bind on that on this uh, corner right here. And he he decides to take the inside guy. It looks like it looks like cover three um, to me, which means that Buster Screen screwed up here. He should have taken yeah. the outside to the curl exactly. the flat and pass it off to the linebacker. So he screws it up. But that switch release, you know, it, it puts him in a bind. Like I said, wide open out. And Tannehill misses the throw, and the receiver drops the ball. That's an easy first down on I, – I don't know if it's third down. Yeah, it is. It's, it's yeah. third and six or five, let's call it. Um, just a completely misplay. Good concept, though. Yeah, good concept. And, I mean, honestly, if he wanted to take it, I mean, he could look the safety off and throw the same route. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, to tell you the truth, because that's open too. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, another good concept where you got guys open, you just got to make these throws. You know, and as long as Sam Darnold can make these throws, which, you know, we all think that we, you know, think that he can, yeah. you know, I think offensively they'll be in good shape. Uh, I hope he can. It, he can. Uh, he definitely yeah, – after after his first year and even after the well, – definitely after the last three games that he put up um, or four games that he put up, uh, he can he, – he's going to – I honestly think that Darnold's going to flourish in the system. And we're, and we're not even a, a third through it yet, which, like I said, we're going to do this in two parts, the, the Gase offense. Uh, a couple more plays before we sign off for today. Um, but then we'll finish the, the second part of it next next week. We'll show some more concepts and things like that. One of the things that I do not love about his offense, and this is one of the plays where I did not love this, um, I don't love uh, like the, the bootlegs with the where, where the side that you're rolling out to, that, that um, edge – um, unblocked, where you're, you're 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 kind of banking on that edge to to crash in, to crash on that, in, on right? That fake run action, right? Um, which Jordan Jenkins does, and this actually leads to to a uh, to a um, what is it called a, a fumble? Um, and I think I don't know if this was this was first down, but still, regardless, the 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 rollout to that side, the unblock, and another thing is so you're so it's a play that you're really depending on two factors. Like I said, that that edge right here, the the email, um, crashing down. Which he does not do. He he plays it well, and then you're also if that does happen, you're def- you're depending on another factor. Is this quick drag getting over? So we can either check it down to, or, or throw it to him or just throw it to his feet. But the problem with this play is one, Jenkins doesn't crash down. He takes the quarterback, which is a good play. And you right. have uh, this linebacker right here who I can't see who it is. It looks like Avery Williamson by his body type. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's definitely Avery Williamson. Um, he gets in, in the uh, tight end's way. He's running that drag route. So you take away two factors, and boom, the play doesn't work. Tannehill really doesn't have a place to throw the ball, and, and it's a fumble. So I didn't like this play. Yeah, no, I agree with you as well. I mean, I don't – the only time I really like leaving the end the concepts – I mean, obviously, if you're running like, you know, don't read option or something like that, where you're, yeah. you're reading the end, you know, that's different. But just on a – but just on a boot where you're just leaving the end wide open like this and you depend on him, especially on that play, that play is going so far away from him he's never going to get there, you know, anyway, even if he did crash down. So his job on boot is you got quarterback, you know, coming back. And he plays, he get plays you know, he gets played well and, and ends up being a fumble, like you said. So, no, I, I don't love this play. Mm-hmm. I mean, the concept is actually not bad in regards to uh, if it's just, you know, a straight drop back faking, you're blocking the end or whatever it is. and you know, so it's just like a, almost like a sale. It's just on a sideline. Right. So it's just a sale, right. So, you know, I still like – yeah, I like the concept, you know, by the routes, but I just don't like the action in the back. 
Yeah, it's just it's just especially you have like you have a, you have an over route which takes a little bit of time to develop the drag. You have to de- depend on there not being like a wall defender there, somebody getting in his way. The the the, the run action with the unblocked. I did, he he ran a few too many times. So that's one of the plays I do not. I, I wish he would maybe terminate from his um, from his playbook. But um, you know, like I said, we'll talk about the positives and the negatives. There is definitely more positives. Uh, so this I labeled it as a missed throw or a miscommunication. Um, here I remember it being on the bottom right here. Um, so it's another it's a it's a two by two gun uh with the running back to the weak side from the from the wide tight end. And on the bottom of the screen right here, you have Train Johnson who is playing this awfully. Um, at least in, in my opinion. It's it's cover it's another cover one look. And he lets the receivers get into his blind spot for like literally the entire play, uh, yep. which is terrible. Um he cuts back on, on, on the curl stop and I don't know if Tanhill expected him to break more outwards or if it's just a straight up miss throw. I I said it was a miss throw because it looked it, it seemed like okay it's a curl he's gonna run the curl, um, so throw it to the inside or or even lo- maybe a little bit to the outside. But he throws it way too far to the outside right here and misses him. Um, yeah, on a, yeah, that's a mis- yeah, that's definitely a miss throw on a I mean, play that you should hit ten out of ten times. Yeah, you should hit that because if you look at the receiver, he's just running. That's a straight curl. Yeah, like he's not he's not running. You know, he's not. It's not like he run. He's running a pivot you know, a deep, you know, a deeper pivot, you know, trying to get out. Like he's just running a straight curl mm-hmm. and he just misses the throw. Yeah. Now, okay. Well, now if, now if he was cutting on an out or a comeback, yeah, lead him to the outside because his momentum's is already taking the outside. But when he's running a curl um, or stop, some people are like, okay, well, well a, a, a curl is technically, it's a comeback, two steps to stop is just when you stop at the top, whatever, curl or stop, right. whatever you want to call it. Here. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna get too tight. Whatever. Um, now, if he was cutting, like I said, inside, you can lead him a little bit outside, maybe, but not too far outside. So it's, just, it's a missed throw, regardless. Um, yeah. You have to know what kind of route he's running and, and where his momentum's gonna be taking him. So another missed throw by Tannehill, um, right there. Um, this is the, one of the plays where I said hit like just like the air raid type system, where the the pass is the extension of the run game type deal. Here, uh, you're gonna see a lot of a lot of screens here, and I would call this a. I'm called a smoke screen. Um, I'm not yeah. too privy on what to call exact screens, but I'm just calling it a smoke because it's more of like a smoke route. Some people might call this a tunnel screen. Um, right. But you have the uh, like, which is a, it's a smart call because again, it's you have a you have the three by you have the three by one uh, sh- strong running back gun, and you have two blockers two blockers versus three guys, and if you can make one guy miss, um, if they blocked well. Um, then it could be a, a big gain, which obviously that number three wide receiver does not block Buster Screen uh, very well. Uh, he's a little bit too like, aggressive there. We should kind of just take a safer angle to the outside. But uh, regardless, um, it's a play that actually goes for a decent gain. So yeah, no, and, and just like you said, and I said it earlier. You know, this is an extension, you know, extension of the run game. But no, but it's. You know, the only the only thing is, is you know, who are you going to get? You know, that can run these plays, though. You know, obviously, Anuwa is yes. a better runner out, out mm-hmm. of all the rideouts, um, but he's a better blocker as well. So you got to find somebody that can do, you know, that can be where they're interchangeable, where they can do that. So you know, that you don't pick up on the tendencies and, and pick up on it. So, but overall, the concept is good. You know, especially when picking up, you know, four or five yards. You know, this one goes for looks like goes for like ten. Uh, yeah. 11 12, 15 actually yeah so, so yeah so no it's definitely a good play but you know out of that formation well now that's a great point because i brought up that before um on where whether it be twitter or other show the jets are going to need yak guys speed yak guys too um and yeah. you made a good point where okay the dolphins with with Jakeen grant with with wilson um 
and with uh, Drake, they have some guys who are speeder who can, who can run better after the catch. But the Jets also have much better wide receivers who are blockers, where they have like Amendola and Parker who just look disinterested. They have guys like Curse, who was a good blocker when he tries. Uh, mm-hmm. Nunwa, who's a fantastic, one of the best receivers at blocking you're going to find other than like Jarvis Landry out there. Um, so I think I think this is just my opinion. I think a guy like Golden Tate might be might be a really good signing for the Jets in free agency. A, a big yak guy with some good blockers. If you have a three by one set and you have Quincy Nunwa and um, and Curse blocking for Golden Tate when there's only two when there's only two guys out there in terms of defensive backs, mm-hmm. I think that could be a good mix. Now, are there other hitting guys like when the when the Dolphins signed Albert Wilson from the Chiefs? He was more of like a guy who's like, oh, whatever, he's going to go there, like not a big deal. Are they going to find gems like that in free agency? Um, maybe they do, but I think Golden Tate's like a guy they should really target at at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, because really, Golden Tate and Anuwa are the same guy. You know, they both you know tough run after catch, good blockers. Uh, usually, uh, I think Golden Tate's probably a better catcher than Anuwa. But, I mean, really, they're the same guy. So, if you got two of those guys and you don't want to curse in the mix, you know, you're able to run some of those, you know, some of those tunnel screens or smoke screens or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, they, they need, they're definitely going to target a yak guy. I can almost guarantee it. Now, with the running backs, uh, Marcus, Elijah McGuire can run with the – he's okay at running up with the ball after the catch. He's, he has good hands. Um, but uh, Trenton Cannon, can he play that like Kenyon Drake role? I'm not too sure because there's a difference between like finding holes and being able to cut through them and straight line speed that Cannon has. So we'll see if he's even on the team. But a guy who I know would fit in this offense pretty well with the running backs, um, you know, flexed out wide and running screens like a wide receiver and running routes like a wide receiver at times in this offense that we're showing, uh, Le'Veon Bell would be fantastic. And Le'Veon yeah. Bell would be fantastic in much just about any system, but a system that, that, uh, really relies on their running backs, uh, you know, catching passes uh, on screens. And, you know, some things we'll show later with some concepts he ran later in the season. A lot of running back wheels, a uh, ton of them, you know, with the post wheel, um, with the running back flexed out wide. Uh, so I think Bell would be fantastic in the system. They're going to get some yak guys. We'll see what they do. Free agency is definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, um, if they don't sound like Bell, they've got to find somebody that can do, you know, some, you know do things similar to Ken Drake. You know, to tell you the truth, because maybe a tell because, because anybody that's on the anybody that's on the you know that's yeah. on the Jets roster right now can't even touch King and Drake in regards to being able to run routes, running in between the tackles, running outside mm-hmm. the tackle. I mean, running on the edge. The King and Drake can do it all. So you know, yeah. just like Le'Veon Bell. So if they you know if they plan on using you know using you know kind of this game, like you say, Ken is more of a straight line guy, but speed wise, you know, mm-hmm. he's like good in between tackles or his vision's not there yet in regards to where to run. They're going to have to find a running back that can do this. Yeah, because like a lot of a lot of regard people are like, oh, he can catch passes. Yeah, he's like he's like more of like an all-around type of running back who has a little bit of power, can catch the ball. Kenyon Drake's like just a, like a scat back. Like you need you need that like straight scat back. Um, and like Trent Cannon, it's, there's, like I said, there's a difference. He can run in a, in, a, in a straight line fast, but in terms of like reading the holes he should cut and the, and the lanes he should take, I don't know if he could do that. Um and on this play here, uh, 13 personnel, you have that wing to the left right here, uh, single back, and you have the, the, uh, the tight end, uh, the, the, wide, the inline tight end right here to the top of the screen. He runs a post, and so does the uh, receiver to the top, which is like it's a nice route. Um, yeah. it's, almost like a, it's almost like a nod post a little bit there. Or you call, like, maybe like, uh, call almost, like, almost a nod post. Like a, he, he throws like that rocker step in there at the top. Right. Um, and both of them are open. It looks like uh, – I would say it's a cover six. Um, 
Yeah, definitely. You know, e cover six. You have, or you, people call it. Uh, yeah. So you have the uh, one half safety and then a quarter of safeties. Right. Um. Or some people call it quarter, quarter half, but call it cover six. I think it's easier. Yeah, it's uh, easier. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the these two defensive backs matching the vertical stems. Um, that post inside uh, isolates this this corner versus post, um, and it's a touchdown. Or it's a non-touchdown that should be a touchdown, and uh, Daniel just misses the throw. Yeah, I mean you got to make that throw, dude. That's it doesn't get more wide open than that. Like it doesn't. That's really wide open, you know, in the league. <laughs> this, yeah, this is very open. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super open. That's the throw that you can't make. But I do like the concept, especially against you know the Raiders. You know, who, they do play a lot of a lot of cover six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. You know, I don't don't know why, but they play a lot of cover six. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know that's that's the the quarters beater. You know, you run double posts. You know, or you know, some people either run double posts or they run you know switch. You know, scissors or whatever. Where you get the seven and you get the posts. Or a, or or a switch scissors. Or a switch scissors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this is one of the another concept that he runs. Uh, this is uh, I call this I call this dragon follow. Um, and I like it here. It's a, it's a little bit new, more of a wrinkle where that the angle routes cut a little bit more into like the seam right here, mm-hmm. um, and it looks like they're running. It's definitely. Um, hold on, we did watch it a couple times with them. Uh, this, is, okay. this is the zone. It, it's almost like another cover six, but I don't know why they have the the two, the two quarters on the um, on the weak side. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're running. I have to watch this a lot. This is one of those plays you have to watch it a lot of times to know the zone, but it is a zone. Um, and you have this drag from the top of the screen right here, which is occupying that, that linebacker in his hook zone. And right. you have a, you have the, uh, the angle route right behind it opens them up. Boom. And it's a, it's a first down. I believe this, this wasn't the one that, Oh yeah, this third down. See, it's third and nine. Um, yeah. drag and follow. Um, they're attacking that, that one receiver side instead of where you'd think it would go. Okay. There's three receivers over there. It's going over there. No, you're, you're attacking that one side with the running back and the receiver. So I really like the drag and follow right there. A little bit of a, uh, higher angle for that angle route though. Yeah, no, I do too. I mean, this is similar to um, what we used to call Ram Pass because the Rams back in the day when Mike Marshall was the OC used to run this a lot with Marshall right. Falk where it'd either be three, it'd be, you'd either get, you know, trips with the tight end in line and two wide outs or you get, uh, it wasn't a whole lot of, you know, three, you know, wide outs back then, not like this. Um, but it used to be a tight end there, single receiver, he run over, you get Marshall Falk out of the backfield and it'd be game over. So, but, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is, no, this is actually a really good concept, you know, that, that I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, like I said, after watching a lot of this, Marcus, I, I, I like the, the signing more because I like, or the hiring more off the field. Um, um, it's concerning. Um, now, as you know, and as I know, winning fixes everything. Um, True. If he's a little bit of an asshole off the field, uh, or with the media, maybe like a little bit like Bill Belichick is uh, at times, where he can get a little bit snippy. Um, if he's winning, who cares? I couldn't care any less if he's a jerk to the media. Honestly, I, I want wins. Um, the yeah, Jets and that's, want wins. And that's why nobody really, everybody thinks it's funny now when Bill does it because I mean it is funny to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. But but he, you know, he's yeah, he's winning, so they can't. I mean, what can you really say to him? You know, unless even when they lose a the game, you can't really say a whole lot because you know it's you know when they lose, it's an anomaly. You know, and they use they play bad, and I don't want to take credit from other teams, but yeah, when you're winning, you know, you can get away with you know some of the, the things that you know he's been known to do. The Gates has been known to do, but at the gate, he can't come out acting like that. Like at the, at the gate, he needs to be as nice and 
kissing babies and delivering pies mm-hmm. to everybody, you know, as he can. So, yeah. Now this play, I like this play too, uh, where it's another, uh, it's empty. You have this, you have the tighter stack to the top. You have the interior stack to the bottom with the, uh, the one receiver split out really, really wide. And it's almost like a, it's like a couple of concepts. It's almost like it's almost like a, a a cab from the from the bottom right here, where you, it's like a levels read, high, like a high low levels read, and you have the post or the top. So it's like almost like an interior sale, but it's I, I, it's I would say it's like a and it's a bunch of different concepts mixed in here. So you have this, you have the, you can call this a switch crease from the from the interior right here. They switch mm-hmm. stems, and then you have the crease, which is like an inverted mills with the with the instead of the um, post from the outside and the dig from the inside, you have the, uh, the vice versa, and then you have the the drag or the short end coming from the outside receiver, which is almost like acts like a cab um, with the uh, intermediate receiver. So this is like a multiple multiple layered concept, like a levels read over the middle with a uh, short short intermediate and deep. So really like this concept. Yeah, this is definitely uh, definitely a good concept, and it puts <laughs> it's in like a huge bind. Like, wow! I was sitting here trying to figure out how to defend that while you were talking. <laughs> yeah, that's I, good. I, hey, I really was sitting here trying to defend. Yeah, I was really sitting here trying to figure out how to defend that. Yeah, this is a you know a really good concept. You know, tell you know if you can block it up. So, especially especially down here at the bottom at the top. You know, you're. I mean, they're kind of outnumbered three to two, obviously, but yeah. uh, you know, down here, you know, this, this makes it really hard. Switch like a, yeah, when you got wide outs on on wide receivers. Yeah, it's like a, it's, it's like a switch crease cab. I would call it uh, levels. It's like a switch creep crease cab levels high low read. It's a like crazy. Yeah. Um, I like it though. I definitely like it. So wide the the, the receiver right there, fifteen, um, is wide open, uh, which I believe is Wilson. Right, fifteen is Wilson. Or am I wrong again? I yeah, forget. I think that's right. Yeah, I'm not sure with all their their receivers, um, what their names are. Um, by numbers like the Jets like obviously just look at because I watched a lot of them um, and see but uh let's see a couple more plays and we're gonna we're gonna end it um so this one is um jet sweep pass some people call it a, like a jet sweep pop pass um with a little bit of a like a, a, a wrinkle that they that they're leaving here um where they're leaving both of the uh, uh, you know the play side defensive end or the, the d tackle on the defensive end right here uh, they're leaving them unblocked which is a little bit different than some other uh, sweeps you see, where it's like a jet, like I said, a jet sweep pop pass right here. And because of this, because of that new little that, that wrinkle that they like to run it with, um, it leads to a touchdown. Where usually, maybe like you see this tight end block, um, uh, this six tech, and then this uh, the right tackle block the the four eye. But they release out, and look what it leads to. You have the cut block right there on fifty nine, which which takes him, you know, out of the play because uh, that of the angle the running back takes or the receiver takes, and then the tight end, the the uh, the off tight end, ends up blocking. Uh, he kicks out right there on the on the edge right there, the corner. So um, mm-hmm. new wrinkle, and it leads to a touchdown because of it. Yeah, that's a good wrinkle. Got to be careful with that though. If that if that end goes <laughs> vertical, it's over. Mm-hmm. For the <laughs> that's the only thing yeah you know, especially with the step of the tight end once he steps out uh i know some coaches coach you know when coach the dns or outside linebackers in that position if the tight end you know kind of steps out like that you want to go vertical first uh you know and then work your way back to the quarterback but uh i mean it's definitely good wrinkle and they take advantage of, of oakland's front in terms you know it turns into a six-pack so yeah. you got to be careful when you're running it you know and who you're running it against but but i mean it's still a good play though 
Yeah, you definitely have to uh, study the tendencies. Where if this if they left unblocked, do they really penetrate into those gaps and, and push up field? Now, if they if they do, you don't want to run that play versus them because right. it almost it almost it almost leads to a tackle from ninety one right there. Um, but if they have a tendency to sit a little bit and like like that running that uh that you know the four eye tech takes like that step to the inside, um, if you're a little bit more passive like that, then uh, run it versus them. But it, it's a little bit more risky, but it's still a touchdown, so I'm going to take it. Yep. Um, next one. Let's see. We're gonna do. We're gonna do three. We'll do three more plays, and then we're gonna end it. Um, so this is a, another one. Oh yeah. Uh, so this is the one play where like I saw this play one time this year. I did not. See, I never saw this again, which I did not like because you're going to see the result of it. Um, and this was built off that play. That remember that play that we saw earlier in the season, Marcus, where it was the fake pitch fake into pitch. a sweep. This, it's the same exact thing. You have the, center, you have the center coming around, and you have the, right, the backside tackle coming. It's the same exact thing. Now they built it off of that play where that running back on that sweep, or if you want to call it counter, I call it a sweep, um, pitches it to that, to that orbit motioner or that – you're not in motion, but that orbit, um, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, pitches to him, this, uh, the running back who gets a fake pitch, releases on like a wheel, and it's a freaking touchdown, wide open. Um, yep, wide open. So, but I never saw it again. That's my issue. <laughs> I mean, so. yeah, it worked. I mean, that's a risky play. That's one that you, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you stashed that one, you know, just because, you know, you show the, obviously you show the run, you know, a couple of times, a couple of times, and then you, know, you get ready to, you know, come back to this maybe later on in the game. But I mean, plays like this, you got to come back to, you know, especially if you, if. At least run, once. Yeah, at least once. You know, if this is the run action that you're showing during the game, you at least got to have this. You know, come you know come back to this at least once. That's a good mm-hmm. play design, though. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, definitely it is definitely different and uh, going to show. Uh, oh, this is a different. No, I think I labeled this this next one wrong, but it's another one of those like jets jet sweep type looks uh, here and. Yeah, yeah. Again, uh, and this goes for this is why you need like a Kenyon Drake, Albert Wilson types so that could do this. Um, but you have that motion. You have the motion from the bottom of the screen right here, and it turns into a, another jet sweep pop pass, and he finds the lanes very, very well. You have there's a couple of guys I remember who do, did a really uh, good job um, on this. You have this. Uh, you have the right guard right here with that cutoff block on that uh, the the backside one tech right there, which is a good block. You have the interior of the offensive line on the play side doing good blocks. Tight end releases, does a good block kicking out. Both those tight ends in the wing do a good do a good job kicking out. And then the, uh, the runner just does a fantastic job as well. So really well yeah. executed by everybody on the Dolphins and a uh, good job by, I believe, like I said, Wilson's 15. Yeah, really good execution. And like you said, got to find somebody that can do this. So that's the, that's the kicker. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the play can be designed up, you know, as good as you want, but you got to find somebody that can, you know, be able to stick the foot in the ground and, and find the lanes and, and shoot it and make big plays like this. That's the only mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Actually, because like, that kind of ended with like two pop passes and sweeps. We'll, we'll end it there. Uh, next show, we're going to have about 30 more plays. We went through 26. Say we'll have about 30 more plays um, as, as the part two of this uh, Adam Gase offensive series. And then we'll go into Greg Williams. And we'll probably go into Le'Veon Bell after that. We'll do a two-part show with Le'Veon Bell, too, because he's the biggest free agent um, that the Jets seem to be targeting. Um, yeah. But wrapping up the film we'll talk a little just a tiny bit about the uh the games this weekend and just up, update the pickums of uh what happened so the last time we were here um we were i went well i was we were both 67 46 and one uh two weeks ago the playoffs um we both picked the texans they lost 21 to 17 uh 
you know, in, in Houston. Uh, then after that, because I was pissed, I didn't pick the, the Colts. I was texting. I wanted to pick the Colts. I just, I was so scared to do it. And I was like, no, screw it. I'm picking the Seahawks. The Seahawks lost 22 to 24. You picked the Cowboys. Uh, I picked the Seahawks who lost, like I said, we both picked the, or actually, sorry, I picked the Chargers who beat the Ravens, uh, 23 mm-hmm. to 17. And we both picked the Bears who <laughs> they, I don't know. I don't know how they lost to the Eagles, but, uh, I feel bad for Parky because they're still, the problem I have with the media is that at first it looked like he missed it. Then clearly it comes out that, the, that there's an interior defensive lineman who blocked that kick. And then yep. still weeks later, I hear, I, I hear media talking about, oh, well, he missed the kick. He got it blocked, dude. Like, like give him a little bit of a break there, well, obviously. Give him a break, right. Sucks, but you're so un- uninformed or you're just carrying the narrative that he missed it. Like, it really frustrated me listening to, like, mainstream media, um, which, I, which is why I do not do it. Yep. But, like, seeing him on Twitter, oh, he missed the kick. Dude, he blocked it. It came out yeah. the next day. The NFL changed it to a block kick. Um. So that week, two weeks ago, we both went one and three, which is a bad week. We had a couple bad, or a couple bad weeks here, bringing us to sixty-eight, forty-nine, and one. Last week of the playoffs, um, we both picked the, or we actually all picked, we picked all the same games. We both picked the Chiefs who beat the Colts thirty-one to thirteen. We both picked the Rams who beat the Cowboys thirty to twenty-two. We both picked the Patriots who beat the uh, Chargers forty-one to twenty-eight. We both picked the Saints who beat the Eagles twenty to fourteen. Bring uh, four and zero, good week. 72 49 and one yesterday rough day <laughs> yeah wow. um both picked the chiefs who lost um 37 to 31 in arrowhead to the patriots and we both picked the saints who lost 20 or 23 to 20 to the rams um in new orleans uh both of these games as we talked about before the show started were terribly terribly officiated uh, there's multiple holes on both sides. So, Marcus, what are your thoughts on those? Some of the plays that we were talking about, uh, you know, prior to recording right now. Oh yeah, I mean, because there were, I mean, even just start with the first game with the Rams and the Saints. Like I was telling you earlier, you get the there was a face mask on golf that didn't get called. Then you had the the Saints ran, you know, ran the clock out, the play clock out a couple of times, and then obviously, you know, the the glaring pass interference call, you know, by the Rams. The, who Roby Coleman actually came out and said, you know, yeah, I was just trying to whack the guy so I wouldn't give mm-hmm. him a touchdown, which is what he's supposed to do. So, uh, but yeah, some of the officiating, you know, was bad in that game. Then you go to the next game where you had the Phantom face mask hit, you know, hit to the head call on Tom Brady. They kept the drive going at the end of the game. The pass interference call against against New England uh, that set up the Chiefs touchdown, uh, the second one, yeah, on 27 that they called. So, yeah, it was – yeah, some of these calls were, were bad. I mean, there were a lot of phantom calls out there that were just – I don't know. They got to – they have to do – the officials have to do a better job of not just reacting off of the motion and actually see the play – you know, see the play and see the result and can't just assume yeah. based off of the motion. You know, and, they, and if they're going to try to do anything about this, certain plays like hit to the head on the quarterback or um, – I mean, I guess you can even throw pass interference in need to be reviewable, you know. Yeah, just to kind of help out, you know. And I, if they don't want to do it during the whole game, at least yeah. like in in the second half, they can just say, okay, well, everything, you know, those two plays are reviewable now. You know, if anything, you know, I don't know. They need to figure that out, though. Yeah, they have to figure out the terminology because I think blatantly obvious penalties should be called penalties or yeah. or be taken away because the fact that you have Roby Coleman truck the guy, if it was on a slot fade, whatever it was, or it was a vertical route down the, the right sideline, 
Um, he trucked the dude before, like a second before the ball even came there, and and it was no flag. They would have most likely won. I think I would have given, uh, given the Saints like first and five. Or first yeah, they would have won. Five first and five. Goal. All they would have had to do is kneel down three times, keep the field goal yeah. games over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they lost. And people like I said, like oh, you know, I apologize to Saints fans on Twitter. People are like, oh, you're gonna act like that doesn't, you know, there, there wasn't, um, you know, football to be played, and uh, you know, the Saints didn't blow a lead. Yeah, I understand. Like, and I said, the Marcus, you know, football is football. You're gonna blow leads, all this stuff. You're gonna come back. Um, but if it happens between the lines, that's your fault. But when it happens because of the refs, I I, I can't deal with that. If I was a Saints right. fan, I would be infuriated right now. Infuriated. Um, so that was a bad. And then you talk about the, the Patriots, the 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 phantom uh, pass interference or hold, whatever it was late in the game. Um, the play that they had where Trey Flowers uh, did the same exact thing to Mahomes, where he hit him, you know, coming over the top of the off the offense uh, offensive lineman. Later in the game, it's like was it second and ten? Was it second and ten for the Patriots? And you have so. um, what rusher was that? It was Chris Jones coming um, from the right side of Brady. Chris Jones is, is getting blocked. He reaches over the offensive lineman to try to hit Brady. While by the way, he's still cocking back with the ball, just about to come forward with the ball. So he still has the ball in his hands. It's not like he came over late. Uh, hits him in the chest, and they call it roughing the passer. He right. still had the ball and he hit him in the chest with a hand because he's trying to reach over an offensive lineman. Um, and people say, oh, well, you know, refs can't see everything. Yes, but you can't just throw a flag because, like you said, there's commotion. You have to see the penalty to throw the right. flag. So if you're not sure, don't throw it. You can't just don't throw, throw it, yeah. a penalty. Here's the thing, no, and, and I don't agree with the refs can't see everything because here's the thing. You got two guys on the side on the line of scrimmage watching the O-lineman. You got a back judge. You got a line judge. You got four <laughs> dudes, like, circle, basically circling the quarterback and the, the offensive and defensive lineman. Like, you've got four guys, and I think they added an extra guy. Um, but he's, I think, a little further down. He's a little further back, I think, is another guy. And then you got the two guys all the way in the back. Plus, you got the ref. So, I mean, you got, like, you got a ton of guys that can see it. I mean, you, ever see, you ever see Longest Yard? Which one? The old no. version or the new one? I don't know. Well, the, the newer one? <laughs> yeah, with Adam Sandler? Yeah. Yeah, maybe should, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe you should pull some of those moves, throwing balls at the ref's nuts. Yeah. Uh, you know? <laughs> And it's funny, or or you could I can I can show some plays. Actually, it's funny after that game, and it just popped up on YouTube. It's like by chance, it's just weird stuff, but it popped up like uh, I was watching somebody. I think I was watching a video, uh, Quentin Williams, and uh, there was a video of refs getting trucked over in the NFL, and I watched it for like ten minutes, just laughing the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was really bad. But um, with that, that brings we both went zero and two, which is crap. Uh, bring a record to seventy two, forty nine, and one each. So we are deadlocked going to the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl next week. We're not going to pick it now. Um, I'll pick whatever opposite Marcus picked because he had he's had the lead more this year, so I'll give him the courtesy. I'll pick whatever he does not pick, and we'll see what happens going for the win here. Uh, we'll break that down a little bit. Um, that's it for the show. Uh, Marcus, any last words? No, that's it, man. So, uh, shoot, look forward to doing part two of Adam Gason. And, and uh, um, uh I mean, I know nothing's going to really be happening right now, but uh, we'll see how the staff continues to shake out and, you know, the guys, you know, who he hires to bring in and, and things like that. So we'll definitely keep an eye on it and bring it up in the next show. Uh, but hopefully yeah. he brings on some you know, some good guys that, you know, that can they can do the job, you know, tell you the truth. That's, that's really what I'd be focused on, you know, seeing who the staff hires are and, you know, where they fit in and what their roles are. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point too. Um, hopefully they grab Eric Studsville, the the running back court, or the the running game coordinator. That'd be a really big ad for the Jets. It's the number one ad I want to do. They just uh, signed some offensive line coach, the Bengals offensive line coach, um, and then we'll we're gonna update you on whoever they sign, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach, run game, pass game coordinator, whatever it is. We're not gonna sign a pass game coordinator. That's Adam Gase, yeah. but uh, 
we'll uh, we'll update you with that. And then, like I said, part two will be sometime in the next couple of days, next week. And then we'll do then we'll do Greg Williams. We'll do Bell. We'll do Freight and We're gonna have a ton of shows for you. So uh, stick around for that. Um, check in next time. And uh, if you write a review, like I said, take two minutes. Obviously, this takes a lot of work to record all these plays and label them. Uh, so if you you take five minutes writing a review to get us out to more people, that would be more appreciated than you know. So uh, do that, and we'll we will see you next week. Thank you everybody for listening.